Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, if you'd like to hear this show without ads and plugs interrupting, there's one thing you can do right now to make that happen, and that is become a PW Torch VIP member. You got about a dozen other podcasts throughout the week that I host that are VIP exclusive, and you get the Wade Keller post shows and podcasts during the week with the ads and plugs removed, all on a separate feed exclusively for VIP members. Plus, tons of other podcasts that are VIP exclusive, access to our full archives of podcasts dating back to 2004, which includes post pay per view roundtables dating back to late 2004. Also, access to our full archives, thousands of podcasts, over 1,500 back issues of the Pro Wrestling Torch Weekly newsletter that started it all, ad free access to our website and more. Check out full details at pwtorchvipinfo.com. That's pwtorchvipinfo.com to get full details and then jump to our sign-up form. It's mobile-friendly, desktop-friendly. In two minutes, you can be a VIP member, show support for us, and we'll give you a lot in return, including a streamlined listening experience on your iPhone or Android device with the ads and plugs removed. Go check it out, pwtorchvipinfo.com. Well, hello, Torch Faithful. This is Kelly Wells, host of PWT Talks NXT. Every Thursday, you can hear me and my rotating group of NXT loyalists banter about the highs and lows of the booking, the progress of young talent, and the big takeover matches. Harley Padgett provides NXT all-time statistics. Tom Stout shares thoughts from the live tapings, and Justin James tells us which talents will be wasted most on the main roster. Search PW Torch in Apple Podcasts or your podcast app to subscribe, or listen on demand and see the entire PW Torch Daily Cast schedule at pwtorchdailycast.com. Cheers! Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. 
In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Now, PW Torch brings you the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Post Show. It's time to talk this week's WWE SmackDown Live. Uh, Jake, we could talk about a lot of things, but I, I just I need to know, is there any update on our truth Is he en route to Los Angeles? Is he going to be trapped for six days in that crate? Will anyone notify somebody, or are we waiting six days from now for a famished, dehydrated R-Truth to be let out of a crate due to the incompetence of the emergency team at WWE to solve this, uh, this very important crisis? <laughs> I mean, nobody even drilled any holes in his case. He's probably going to run out of air sometime between now and then, I guess, is the uh, is what they led you to believe. Uh, but, yeah, I, I, you know, some of the 24-7 stuff is comical, but it, I've, I've come to the conclusion that it's it's just not for me. Like, I, I don't get the same kick out of it that other people do. I, I thought this started to uh, take things a little too far to the point of – and it sounds so weird because it's been ridiculous from start to finish, but – like, I thought this was a little too ridiculous. And so I'm having to kind of recalibrate whether I'm okay with how different this universe is from the rest of the universe. But then I think, like, for instance, what are the odds of Jinder Mahal showing up just as Truth was locked in a crate, but Carmella just happened to have to go to the ring for her match? The, the, this, and I can't believe I'm analyzing this, but I have to because this... The, you know, good promoters, good bookers have to think about this stuff. How do we explain what happens in a way that seems realistic? WWE is so sloppy about this in so many different ways that it, I feel sort of hypocritical to critique the 24-7 division and say that they have to hold themselves to a higher standard. Not hypocritical. Why would I expect that to happen with here when I've been frustrated with it not happening on the main roster where it actually counts more? But this was just too much. And... And so it's or it's a it's too much of a challenge for me to separate the idea that a camera just happens to be filming this and we're watching and it's supposed to be funny, but I think we're headed towards truth banging on a crate on Raw on Monday and we're going to be in this alternate universe where we're supposed to take seriously other you know seriously with quotes to a degree around other things like uh, Ziggler trying to take a championship from Kofi with a cage to keep out interference and and there's going to be a referee and pinfalls or submissions or escaping a cage. There's a set of rules. But I think Monday, Jake, we're going to see Truth showing up in a crate and being uncrated after being locked in there for six days. Like, are we not? I, I, I don't know that I can, I can barely deal with Jinder Mahal just happening to show up when Truth gets locked in the crate. But now am I going to have to deal with that? It, it, you can have fun with this title and be sort of over the top. But I think you have to either be more over the top in a different lane or less over the top if you're in a, the same arena that everything else is happening in. So that's kind of where I am. I thought this week went a little too far. I, you know, I actually thought the uh, you know WWE having access to the live elevator cam was just as bad. You know, uh, <laughs> yeah, from, from Monday's bad. Raw. Yeah. So I, I mean, I can't say that this is you know a, a degree worse. I, I guess it's, it's just what I've come to expect from this particular division is that they they want it to be. 
silly and ridiculous and there seems to be an audience for it you know yeah. I, I i pay attention to you know to wwe related hashtags on twitter and, and there are you know a sizable number of people that enjoy it but certainly if you're somebody who who wants you know to take the show seriously and wants it to have a framework and a set of rules that apply universally to the entire show it completely blows up that concept and you just kind of either have to accept it or it's going to drive you crazy do you uh, by the way as a side note i i gave wb credit for making the the camera black and white grainy and at an angle that appeared like it was happening, that, that it was being filmed from a, a corner security camera in an elevator, I gave them credit for that because I wanted to put it past them to have like three camera angles and, you know, a, and an invisible fourth wall that they were shooting from in full color. Like, they have these arbitrary lines that they draw in terms of creating that framework, the internal logic, the structure. They have these, they just arbitrarily break it left and right. It's just amateur hour, the way that they create their show. You know, I mean, it just stuff like wrestlers standing sideways facing the camera watching TV because some, some idiot in WWE, some, some, some smart, good person in WWE with an idiotic idea, let me reframe that, thinks that people won't recognize a wrestler unless they, if they're standing sideways and we see their profile watching TV, so they have to unnaturally stand facing the camera while looking peripherally or sideways at a TV screen. It's stupid. The same way it's stupid when wrestlers look into a mirror, quote, at themselves, but they're actually looking into the camera, where everyone at home is going, why are they looking through a mirror into the camera filming them? Why aren't they looking at themselves? But there's some really good, smart person who is with this idiotic idea that people will be confused if someone looks into a camera, like last night, Lacey Evans, and they aren't, they are not seeing their eyes make contact with them on the TV screen. Like, they're just low IQ, idiotic stuff that drives me nuts. But I gave them credit, at least in the elevator, for grainy black and white footage, even though, yes, this it creates a sense of this Orwellian fear that WWE actually is tracking their wrestlers, even in an elevator, to see everything that they do and every tweet that they make. So that was stupid, but I, I do think it's a, I, I will defend, uh, not defend, well, I guess I'm defending. I'll defend my argument that it is a giant step further that we're to believe our truth might end up locked in a crate for six days and survive. Rant over. <laughs> and the the you know is it airtight? Probably not. I mean, he, he, hopefully he can. You know, they, they want us to believe that he can actually breathe in there. But the part that stuck out to me is you had uh, the forklift operator who uh, you know was wearing ear protection, so it's like plausible that he wouldn't have heard truth thrashing around. Yeah. But Car- Carmella was standing yes. like 20, 25 feet away. Like there's no chance she didn't hear him pounding around inside that case, and she's sitting there like a doe in the headlights. It was it was bizarre that she couldn't hear him. So so the question is, and this is a serious question: Does this undercut? Other things they're trying to do. Because if it's all in fun, and we just sort of have an artistic disagreement with its execution. and uh, But there's enough people out there who are like, ah, it's, it's fun. And, you know, it's wrestling. I mean, we don't take it that seriously. Um, even though what draws money is when fans do get immersed in it. And they do take it seriously. But that aside, is this enough of a sideshow and it's enough clearly comedy in its own track? It's not hurting other stuff. So even if it's not for you... If it's for enough people and it doesn't affect everything else they're doing, maybe it's a net gain. But the question for you is, is is it actually so implausible that it actually is undercutting the rest of the show as presented? I I don't think it 
completely dismantles the rest of the show. But I think where, where it could become a problem is where you want people to transition in and out of this comedy division. And then it's like, okay, now I have to take this guy seriously again. And I, I don't know how you make that transition, particularly when, uh, you know, they, they do have a mid card that does want to be taken seriously. That's already really struggling. And so I, I think it's defining people into this category and then how do you get people out of it? And then if you want to move somebody new into it, does that automatically, you know, prevent them from from transitioning back if they ever want to get to that level? And so that's that's the part that kind of bothers me. It's like truth. I can you know, has he's been a comedy act for a long time, but now there's zero chance that I will ever see Jinder Mahal as anything but a comedy guy, which uh, I'm celebrating. And- Quietly and well, that's, but yes, <laughs> yeah. But and I guess you know they haven't really moved any you know anybody with any significant star power into the you know into the twenty four seven division uh, aside from you know Elias's brief run with it uh, a week ago. But you know there's it's going to be tough if they you know Mick Foley talked about legends and and, and you know significant stars sometimes challenging for this thing and I, I just I don't know how you make that seem anything but ridiculous uh, yeah I agree with that I think anyone who's part of it now I mean WWE plows through so many implausibilities and 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 kind of you know I don't know, low IQ moments, amateur hour moments, and they just plow through and they think they're not damaged by it. And they just, you know, sometimes we'll just start treating somebody completely different than they did uh, before. And they want, and they just ask fans to, to erase their mouth. Heck, you know, Kevin, did, have we ever had any explanation for Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn recon- their reconciliation or apparent, their apparent reconciliation? I mean, other than Kevin Owens turned heel uh, yeah. on the new day, that was really the. Yeah. You know, we were just supposed to assume that that was the inflection point for them coming back together. Yeah. So you know, there's just things where they're like, ah, Vince doesn't think people remember, or Vince doesn't really remember, or they decide it's not worth explaining because they're just this juggernaut that has to move forward and not look back. But just one of those things. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's sort of like last night's show. We could have started in a lot of places uh, with this show, but... I wanted to start with our truths uh, condition. I, I'm more worried about truth than I am Cesaro last night. Fortunately, Cesaro's looks like he'll be fine, but uh, our truth, I'm, I'm still worried about. So let's uh, let's at the table and introduce the program. This is the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Post Show, following the Tuesday, June 11th, 2019 edition of WWE SmackDown, which aired live on USA Network in front of what might be a record low audience for a non-holiday show, based on Raw's ratings last night with under two million people. Watching the third hour of Raw, yes, there was that Raptors-Warriors uh, game going on, but 
WB's faced stiff competition before and hasn't dropped below that two million mark. So um, that's not uh, that's not good. So I'll be keeping an eye out for SmackDown ratings, and you can check out pwtorch.com for that update on uh, on Wednesday. Uh, my co-host today is Jake Barnett from ProWrestling.net, and uh, Jake, it's it's great to have you back. I'm glad you're uh, here this week to talk about tonight's SmackDown. Always a pleasure, Wade. Thanks for having me. Cool. Uh, Jake, uh, tell people how they can hear more from you and uh, social media and in terms of website and podcasting. Yeah, so you can find weekly podcasts from myself and and Jason Powell over at ProWrestling.net on the members' side of things. I also do the uh, weekly SmackDown report along with uh, Wade at the the Torch on his his side of things. And also you can find me on Twitter at BarnettJake, and I spend the vast majority of my time talking wrestling on that account. (laughs) There's people who come on the show like, you can follow me on Twitter, but I don't talk much wrestling on it. So um, good to have somebody plugging their Twitter who talks about wrestling on it. Um, and so let's uh, let's give out the phone numbers, and and hopefully we get more callers. I messed up at the beginning of the show and had uh, uh, the, I had the show starting an hour later. I just set the time wrong, so I had to redo it and then redo the links, and I think there's some people trying to get to the original link. Um, so if you uh, did find the live streaming link, congratulations. I apologize if you had to download the show later and tried to catch our live stream. That might limit our callers a little bit tonight. Hopefully not. Uh, but if you are listening to us, uh, we encourage you to call. The number is 347-215-8558. That's 347 347- Two one five eight five five eight. Push one on your keypad, and that will indicate that you want to be on the show. So after calling, push one on your keypad to indicate you want to uh, join the conversation and contribute your thoughts on tonight's SmackDown. Let's uh, let's start taking calls. I got a lot more I want to talk about on today's show. Obviously, uh, the twenty four seven thing isn't uh, the be all end all in terms of tonight's episode of SmackDown, but um so so we have a number of other topics covered but we'll let the callers lead the way and uh we'll go to 440 first uh 440 thank you for calling uh go ahead and state your name and where you're calling from yeah hey guys it's ryan from cleveland how are you guys thanks ryan what's uh what's on your mind tonight yeah so i mean the first thing i wanted to talk about was the promo segment in the middle of the show with the new day and then everyone interrupting yeah and it's like, why have it? They're going to have the match in the last half hour of the show. Why not give, you know, Finn Balor or Ali or Chad Gable a chance to just go out and have a 15-minute match instead of having these guys cut the exact same promo they've been cutting for the last month for them to just come out a half hour later and have the match? Well, I mean, I have mixed feelings on that. I, I I'm... I'm with you, Ryan, on wanting to see the wrestlers you mentioned get TV time. Um, but I also believe in, in having wrestlers talk about their match coming up on a TV show or also their match coming up at a pay-per-view. And I think that was that segment wasn't uh, – the, the, the main event match was there to fill TV time and draw a rating you know, or you know, give, give viewers a reason to tune in so they can advertise all three members of New Day making their return, teaming together on SmackDown. Um, so that match had a purpose there, and it gave them a chance to build a little heat up with, with Ziggler and Kofi in particular. But the promo was there to build up stomping grounds in the, in the singles match in particular uh, uh, between them. So, I mean, it, I, I guess if you have a show that just all the segments are, are independent of one another, but you give wrestlers a wider array of wrestlers TV time, 
that can that there's a plus to that. There, there's a positive side of ledger. A lot of different wrestlers are getting exposure, and you're not overexposing New Day, KO, Sammy, and Ziggler. Uh, but Jake, I mean, I'm I'm I root for WWE giving promo time to wrestlers before they have a match, and that is a co-main event of Stomping Grounds coming up in less than two weeks. So I think you need to have Kofi and Ziggler talking about it. Yeah, I mean, realistically, they only have one more week of television until they go right back to pay-per-view. And so I, I think they had to give him you know, a, a little bit of promo time here. And I think you have to look at where the promo was placed on the show. They clearly wanted the, you know, the top of the second hour to be let off by, you know, their main event talent. And so I, you know, I understand the motivation there. I, I guess, you know, there, there's always and I sympathize with the argument that they need to get more people on the show because I don't think they do a good enough job of, uh, you know, of, of getting variety, but you know, you, you you take a look at that opening promo, for example, like, did that really need to be 17 minutes? I I don't think so. You know, they they could have gotten that done a lot quicker than they did. And so uh, there's, there's always going to be ways you can pick apart how things are timed out on the show. But I, I really didn't have an issue with the, with the top of the hour promo in the second hour, I think the the ironic thing was you had uh, you know the heels uh, you know taking exception with the fact that uh, the Xavier Woods kicked uh, uh, Dolph Ziggler at the Super Showdown show that led to the finish, and then they spent the entire main event cheating and distracting the referee, uh, which was it, was it was a nice bit of irony there. All right, let's go back to Ryan for any follow up to that topic or a different topic. Yeah, no, I mean I agree with you guys, and I get what you're saying. Um, you know, with the promo and building up the match and everything like that. Um, but, you know, it just kind of felt unnecessary because it's been the same promo um, that they've been cutting, you know, for so long. So, you know, I want to harp too much on that. But um, I know one of the most recent things you guys have been talking about a lot lately is after the Moxley promo. So just a quick point on something that I noticed was, um, I don't know if you guys caught this in the um, the Mandy Rose Ember Moon segment, the backstage segment, and this just ties in perfectly with everything that Moxley was saying was um, I think Sonia Deville was the one who said to Ember, like, here's a, a superhero to um, idolize. And Ember goes more like a super villain. And it's like, they just got to get these writers out of here. <laughs> it, I, I, Jake, as, as the show opened and, and Miz is like, I have to read a script. And I'm like, uh, they're they're like really sensitive to to this Ambrose thing. There's you know a theory that the uh, the latest Firefly Funhouse is is related to the Ambrose interview. People I don't know if we're reading into it, and, and Vince doesn't even know what happened or isn't paying attention uh, or what. But I, if I'm the writers, you know I'm wanting to produce my best content right now because people are I think hyper aware of the scripted nature of things. So on a meta level, they're kind of joking about it. You even have Kofi doing a little thing about, you know, that's a that's booking and 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 Biggie going, what's that all about? But so they're trying to do some kind of sneak in some meta stuff. Even Kevin Owens joking about wildcard rule. I don't know what is that last night. But I would think the writers would be doing their best work. But at the same time, I probably I guess I imagine, you know, there's there's some writers who are better than others in WWE. There's so many of them. Um, we can't even track, you know, who's who does what um on the outside because there's such a turnover and so many of them but if i'm the writers i i would be hyper aware right hyper aware right now of not writing really corny stuff for your own amusement or because it's clever um and and trying to write dialogue that feels a little more realistic i i actually think they attempted that and it didn't quite work with Lacey and becky last night in the sense that when they talked over each other at the end of the promo 
I think that was their way to make it feel unscripted because we wouldn't script them talking over each other, but it ended up feeling kind of clunky and, and messy too. So yeah, I, I, Jake, your thoughts on what Ryan said and, and then what I added to it. That, you know, that backstage promo was pretty awkward and I, I, I don't know if I want to blame it more on, on the writers or just the delivery of the people involved. You know, I, I think there's, there's some, you know, there's, there's two sides of that coin. You know, you, you can have something written that's really good. And if somebody doesn't deliver it well, uh, you know, it comes across poorly. And of course, you know, you can't really overcome having terrible material, which, you know, is a, is a more prevalent problem. But I, you know, I, the thing about Ember Moon and how, how bad that response was is like, I, what could you write for Ember Moon that would come across naturally? We literally know nothing about her. And I think when you get down to the core yeah. of it, it's that we, there's really no, there's no character to reference to, to know whether or not she would say something like that. You know? So I, I think the, I, I, I understand the argument and I actually agree with it that the, you know, and, and Moxley made an excellent case for, you know, the writers getting in the way more often than not. But at the end of the day, I think you, you know, you can't completely take away any responsibility for the quality of these promos from the performers. They have to do their part as well. Uh, Ryan, anything else you want to add? Uh, no. Uh, thank you for taking the call. Long-time listener, first-time uh, caller in, so thank you for taking the call. Uh, a good time to call. We appreciate it, and uh, hope to hear from you again. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, guys. Excellent. Thanks. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo, and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right. Uh, again, the number is 347 215 8558. I'm Wade Keller, joined by Jake Barnett from ProWrestling.net. We're talking SmackDown and up next is area code 708. That was like my radio reset I, from the early 90s when I worked at KFAN. You, people can join the show midstream. you got to reset who you are and what you're talking about what the phone number is. Um, anyway, uh, 708, you are up next uh, on the fan line, as they used to say. Um, go ahead and state your name and where you're calling from. Uh, gentlemen, this is Vincent from Chicago. Hey, Vincent. Good to hear from you again. What's on your mind? Um, the previous caller talked about the uh, New Day, Ziggler, Owen, Sami Zayn, uh, segment in the middle of the show, and I couldn't help but but notice there was some, in my opinion, there was some pretty overt uh, racial overtones in that in that promo, especially when uh, when Sammy came out. Um, he had mentioned so. I mean, the first first thing it's it's obvious it's three black guys and it's three white guys as you know at the heels, and then. Sammy, I believe Sammy in his part, he came out and he um, 
he mentioned the word justice. I think about, unless I miscounted, I think I heard him mention justice three times. And that was in reference to um, Xavier kicking Dolph at Super Showdown. And not to go too political here, but in the news, we do see this quite often where, you know, let's say a black citizen will physically assault a, let's say, a white police officer. That may get some media coverage, but then there's, Mm. you know, let's say it's the other way around. Let's say it's a a white officer physically assaults, uh, you know, a black citizen. And then there's, you know, there's outrage. There's, you know, that's that's the lead story on on the news program. And that's what I kind of felt that this promo was hitting on. You know, Sammy saying, oh, well, you guys don't care about justice. You guys just root for who you like, which, I mean, to use your term, Wade, there's some plausible deniability because, I mean, that's what fans do. They root for who they like. But I don't know if I'm overanalyzing it or were those racial overtones as prevalent as it was to me. I, that's what. Uh, that's a great point. Jake, go ahead and uh, respond first. What, what, what do you think about that I because well uh, yeah I I tend to start asking question then I answer it before throwing I'll throw it to you Jake and then I'll I'll comment after that you know I it, and it may be just my me covering the show and having to you know to actually sit there and then transcribe it as best I can but I you know I didn't pick up on it as as uh, as much as you did but hearing you explain it I certainly think I understand how you could come to that conclusion and I think Kofi's title reign to an extent. Um, you know, has had those racial overtones from the beginning. I mean, they certainly told that story uh, heading up to WrestleMania, and uh, I don't think it's been as overt uh, since then. But but certainly, you know, you can you can read into it and uh, and pick those things up uh, as you, you know, as you consume the content. I I don't know if they were going for it overtly, but I think the subtext has always been there, and I. You know, I didn't analyze it to the extent that you did, but I, I think there's, you know, now that you've explained it that way, I can certainly, uh, you know, sympathize with that take. But I don't know if that's necessary. You know, just thinking about how they produce this show and uh, and and you know who the writers are and what their perspectives may be, I. I, I, I don't know. It's a tough thing to, to think about, you know, if they would have gone to the extent that uh, that you described. But as a as somebody who's just watching it from afar, I, I think the themes are definitely there, whether they're intentional or not. Yeah, I, I was looking at it as in my mind as I was watching, because I just have been trained watching Vince McMahon over the years and, and I think rewarded with verification many, many times over the decades, actually, that there's things that are on television that, that are a window into Vince McMahon's mind. And I was thinking it was uh, the promo might have a double meaning when it comes to Saudi Arabia, that, you know, people are, are being hypocritical, that the fans are, are willing to judge WWE going to Saudi Arabia because they don't like something about WWE or the McMahon family or whatever. And so they watch WWE, but they're, they're, they're jumping all over them for doing this. But they like their Apple phones, and Apple phones are sold in Saudi Arabia, or they like some other company or some other entertainment enter- enterprise. So they, they're, they're hypocritical and not criticizing uh, them, but criticizing WWE. So I had read into it because this weird thing that they're repeating about, you know, that WWE is this cross-cultural show in every country in the world, and it's the only sports entertainment that that is. I was thinking that was on Vince's mind. Um, but I... I th- Man, I, I think, Vincent, you make a really good point, and I could, I could imagine that being 
uh, the root of some of the some of the writing too. I would I would hope that that Kofi and Xavier and Big E would would take a stand if they felt that it was putting a a, a spin on things culturally that would make them look bad for going along with it and not pushing back against it. Um, so yeah, I, I kind of have to reprocess the promo through the lens that you saw it, Vincent, and, and, and think about it a little bit more. But like I said, as I was watching it live, I saw it as Vince maybe being upset about him being criticized for going to Saudi Arabia, but other companies not getting the same kind of heat. Well, I mean, another, uh, another couple of uh, tidbits adding on to that, yeah. as, as um, Jason said, that, um, or or Jake. Uh, yeah. Kofi's championship Kofi's championship reign started with racial overtones with right. the whole uh with with his battle with Vince McMahon. But then also they were in Sacramento, California tonight, right? They were in Sacramento, yeah. Uh yeah, Cali is known as a very liberal state and you know, there's you know, in the in the news there's all sorts there's always sorts some sort of um racial violence or racial animosity going on if you read the headlines in uh in California. So, you know, I'm I'm just piecing together little bits of information and that's kind of the lens that I saw that promo promo to. This is why having open phone lines is good. I mean, you you, you help us uh take a look at it through through a different lens and and uh and and whether it was intended or not just the just the the optics of it um it c- can be bad too uh or or can rile people up or or uh bring up topics with people that that WWE doesn't even intend and they should be aware of it and and one of the re- one of the ways that you can avoid in and I'm talking in a more general sense uh having three black wrestlers standing in the ring talking about a title reign where Race is part of it because of the history of WWE. And then you have three white guys standing on the stage talking about it. One of the ways you avoid getting caught saying something where signals are sent out that maybe you don't intend is to make sure you have a staff of people who come from diversified backgrounds and and bring different life experience to the filtering and editing and origination uh, of of the writing of of the promos and the skits and and that's something WWE should should be cognizant of and and work hard to make sure is part of their process. Hello, it is Ryan and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Vincent, anything else for us? Uh, yeah. 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 I, um, I did have... If I if I could be afforded the time, I do have a more of a of a meta question. It's not specifically about that SmackDown. Sure. 
but it is regarding. Um, so Bailey finished Nikki Cross with the diving elbow, which is one of her finishers slash signature moves. Why is it that the, the the talent is like they they always perform their finishers or their signature moves every single time? So I mean, when I I was first introduced to wrestling in the Monday Night War era, it was WCW. And I remember, for example, Booker T, you know, one of his signature moves was the axe kick. However, I think his finisher, if I'm not mistaken, was the Harlem hangover. It was a top rope move. It was, he would, I, I, I can't describe it. People could Google it if they want to. It was called the Harlem hangover. And he didn't perform the move all the time. You know, he performed it. He would try to finish it. Let's say it was a highly contested match on Nitro. He would go to the top rope, perform the move. Or it was a pay-per-view match. He would go to the top rope, perform that move. We didn't see it all the time. Uh, Billy Kidman, his finisher was a shooting star press. We didn't see it all the time. But like the, the wrestlers in WWE now, they perform or they, they try to perform their, their finishers all the time. Like I, I feel like you don't have to um, go go for the move. All like there's yeah, other yeah. moves you can finish your opponent with. No, I I I think it leads to predictability, Jake. If you know matches only end with the finisher and not a secondary move, or in the I, I think we're ignoring how two thirds of WWE matches end, which is with somebody at ringside distracting someone, leading to 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 a roll up or a finish. Um, there is a predictability to too many of the matches. Uh, Jake, your take. Yeah, in this particular case, I think they had Bailey um, use the elbow because it allowed her to like stare down Alexa throughout the entire process. So, like she positioned herself on on the turnbuckle opposite of where Alexa was standing, you know, on the outside of the ring, and she stared her down as she delivered the move and, and gave the pin. Uh, so I, I think that was what the visual that they were going for in, in this particular case. But I think absolutely, you know, your premise is is correct. They they've conditioned people at this point to wait for finishers, uh, you know, to in, to depend on the conclusion of a match, especially in in big match situations. And, and they usually, you know, get around having the finisher be a conclusion to the match by having people have to hit multiple versions of it or yeah. hit it multiple times in order to generate the near falls uh, that make those main event matches exciting. And I, I think they could introduce some variety into the show by having people finish matches in different ways and, and more clever ways. Uh, but the, I think it just comes down to them being obsessed with branding and wanting to make sure that everybody has something signature that fans are anticipating. All right. Cool. Uh, good discussion, Vincent. Appreciate your call. Uh, thank you, and go VIP. <laughs> Thanks. PWTorchVIPinfo.com. PWTorchVIPinfo.com. If you're interested in being a VIP member, $99. Gets you a whole year. You don't have to think about it again. Plunk down 99 bucks now. Get a year of this show ad-free. All the daily casts, all the Wake Keller post shows and podcasts, plus uh, around a dozen VIP-exclusive podcasts per week, including post-pay-per-view roundtables, 30-plus years of archives of audio, retro radio shows, Podcast post pay per view roundtables dating back to 2004, and uh, pro wrestling torch newsletters dating back to the late 1980s. So it's a it's a good deal. Think you'll love it, and our listeners uh, who call in endorse it, as do our emailers. So check it out. PWTorchVIPinfo.com. All right, eight six zero. You are up. Please state your name and where you're calling from. Hey, wait, hey, Jake. This is Jay in Hartford. Hey, Jay. Good deal from you. What's on your mind about SmackDown tonight? Hey, same to you. Yeah. Hey, so uh, before I get. 
Oh, hold on. I ac- that was my fault. Go ahead. I accidentally hit the wrong button. Go ahead, Jay. <laughs> no problem. Yeah. Um, so before I get to my point, uh, just for, on what the previous caller said, uh, something a little interesting that I noticed or that happened in my house tonight. Uh, so my wife is, I'd call her maybe just a little less than a casual fan. <laughs> you know, she knows about the storylines <laughs> because she's in the house when I'm watching it. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, she's a Becky fan or whatever. So I'm, I'm in the kitchen tonight watching SmackDown on my phone while I'm eating. And she's like at the stove, busy doing something. And all of a sudden, and this is during the new day segment. And all of a sudden she goes, why do they always do that? And I'm like, do what? You know, and she says she basically, and, and I can't really say exactly what it was that she noticed, but to Vincent's point, the previous caller, she's yeah. like, there always seems to be some undertone. She's like, it sounds like they're talking about a black and white thing. And I'm like, what do you mean? Um, so at the time it was when Kofi and again, wait, I apologize. I don't remember exactly what they were saying, but Kofi was, you know, defending his stance as champion or complaining about something. And then Dolph's like, Oh, but it's your fault. And it just, it's just kind of like what you see in the news where sometimes you get that, you know, where not to get too racial, but you know, white America may be saying, Hey, black America, you complain, but it's your fault. You know? So, so that's kind of the vibe that she got. And I didn't even get that vibe to be honest. But I thought it was interesting when the previous caller just called in to say, you know, what he noticed. I'm thinking, wow, my casual fan wife who was busy at the stove got like the same, you know, the, the same thing. And I'm like, I just thought that was very interesting. So I guess it was there. We didn't all notice it, but I, people got that that impression. So I think once New Day started talking about butt meat, I think our brains just turned to mush and, <laughs> and we didn't have a chance to really think about what just happened seconds earlier. <laughs> I, <laughs> If you listen to the yeah. show and you don't read like my report or Jake's report, uh, his on prosing.net beforehand, sometimes you probably should if you're not watching the show because I say stuff like that and I'm like, do I need to like fill people in on what actually happened? By the way, I, 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 I don't say this much, but like one of the things VIP members get is after I record this show, I record a full rundown of Raw and SmackDown start to finish for VIP members. So I like start at the top of the show. I, I read my report, I add commentary, I add analysis, I, I pull out the key quotes from the announcers and the wrestlers, and just, it's a substitute for watching, or it's your chance to hear what I thought about the show or what I picked out that I thought it was important. That's a VIP feature, and it goes up right about the same time that this show goes up, because uh, of the editing and production process that goes into this longer show. Um, I record that show, and that sometimes goes up first. So that's a VIP benefit, so if you listen to the show sometimes, you're like, man, I wish I... Didn't have to watch SmackDown to know what they're talking about. Either check out our reports on your phone or your laptop um, to read the details first, or you can even listen to my hotline following Raw and SmackDown first, and then tune into this show, and you'll actually know what we're talking about. Because I, I can imagine someone who didn't watch the show going, did Wade just say butt meat? <laughs> what is he talking about? Um, yeah. On a more serious note, though, I, I do, I'll read the quote that came uh, before it that I think is one of the focuses. Because I do think Sammy is voicing... I, th- I think there's probably something to the theory. I'll put it this way. I'll, I'll put all qualifiers on it. That Sammy is the voice inside Vince McMahon's head in certain ways right now. I think he's frustrated with critics and wants to vent about them and hypocrisy. And he's just he's one of those, you know, it's like talking to your dad or grandpa about politics. And they have their, their oh, I just got a vent because I was watching this cable channel. So one of the quotes from Sammy is, what that tells me is that these disgusting people don't care about justice. Because he said they cheered Kofi retaining the title thanks to Xavier interfering, but if he had done it, 
they'd be booing him and he might be fined or suspended, something along those lines. So he's saying you're hypocrites. So what that tells me is these disgusting people don't care about justice. These people have no morals. You have no ethical code. All that matters to you is who you like and who you don't like. And I think that's one of the kind of the pull-out quotes that that where Sammy is standing there preaching to New Day about how fans are cheering you for doing something that if a white person did it, I'm sorry, if the heels did it, um, the fans would be booing them, and that's hypocritical. And and I, I now that you bring that up, I think that's exactly when my wife goes, yeah, why do they do that? And and yeah. that's exactly when it was. I'm I'm like sure of it. <laughs> yeah. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is curious booking. Uh, Jake, I want to throw to you for a second here. You can respond to anything. But um, in, in particular... It was curious how they had Kofi retain his title because Xavier interfered. And you have Byron Saxton, you know, defending it, saying, well, it was revenge. It was revenge for what, what, uh, 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 the, that, that, for what happened earlier in the match. And so, you know, one, it was just a payback and you can't expect him not to, not to pay him back. And so, you know, we have Saxton defending New Day, winning by cheating, kind of, undercutting a little bit Kofi's credibility against Ziggler for retaining the title and the fans cheering it. And I didn't know what that was all about. And I'm wondering if this promo by Sammy wasn't actually in Vince's head when he booked that finish initially, or if Vince just came up with this because he saw the reaction to that finish. I, I'm curious. Yeah. You know, and I guess it's, it's one of those things where, you know, is it, is it a meta commentary on, on like privilege or is that, you know, that's probably not something that would go and come into Vince's head, but maybe it's just something that the audience picked up on, you know, whether or not it was intentional or not, where you have these, these three white characters who routinely break the rules and, you know, attack people backstage and, you know, have interfere in matches and distract the referee. And, you know, they, they make no mention of it when it's them, but uh, you know, when, when the new day does it all of a sudden it's this great miscarriage of justice uh and you know even if it wasn't intentional if it was just you know heels being heels it does all of a sudden carry this racial subtext because of who the champion is and and what took place at uh, at super showdown because they you know the when when Kofi was attempting to explain that you know Dolph had initiated the the situation because he had you know kicked uh, Xavier Woods on the outside without any provocation whatsoever you know that that's when the heels interfered and started going on their rant and so I think you know if you now, now that I'm starting to play back that promo in my mind I, I do see what Vincent was talking about and uh, yeah. and what the caller's wife was talking about because it's it's clearly there and whether or not everybody picks up on it or not probably depends greatly on on your own individual perspective yeah and your life experience and and yeah all of that yeah, uh, Jay. So I, I I don't know if that's why you called, or if, or if you had another topic, or if you want to follow up on that. But go ahead. Yeah, yeah. I had a five. That's actually not why I called. And I was listening to him, and I was just like, "Wow!" So my wife was right. <laughs> yeah, that's but, that's uh, really cool. <laughs> um. So I called about uh, SmackDown. As far as um, you know, for years it's been 
SmackDown is the B show, you know, and, and I think they, they did a good job of kind of, I wouldn't say removing that stigma, but, you know, sort of getting away from it when, when, when it became SmackDown Live. Um, last week, they had Goldberg on the show. And that, to me, is probably the biggest thing I think that they've ever done in making SmackDown seem like it's equal to Raw. Uh, you know, even Taker, when he's a SmackDown guy, he'll still go to Raw <laughs> for his WrestleMania promos. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like SmackDown still gets that B-show type treatment. But when Goldberg showed up last week and, you know, they got the whole Fox thing coming up, I'm like, wow, okay. They're treating SmackDown like it's equal to use their words equal to or greater than you know? <laughs> so um but then tonight uh they began smackdown with a graphic and the commentators telling us that they were going to have that six-man tag uh and it my immediate thought was so wow you got ko and sammy playing like supporting cast to the number one contender on both shows <laughs> last night they backed up baron corbin and tonight it's Dolph ziggler and what I'm afraid of is that this wild card rule, now you kind of revert back to SmackDown being just a rehash of what you did on Monday night. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, when, when they first went to SmackDown Live, and I'm sure you guys remember the stories were, I mean, that run with AJ, SmackDown was fresh, it seemed different. You know, now with the wild card rule, Raw and SmackDown are, they're the same again. <laughs> like, you know, I... You know, I was so excited Daniel Bryan was on my screen tonight. I'm like, this feels like SmackDown. This feels different from what I watched last night. But, you know, really, it's just usually lately it's been two nights of Roman Reigns, two nights of Shane McMahon, two nights <laughs> yeah. of. And I'm wondering how do they think this is, you know, making SmackDown look appealing to Fox or, you know, whatever. You know, I, I don't get into the business side of it that much. But SmackDown to me just seems like raw rehash again nowadays. So, what do you guys think? Yeah, so I, I, Jake, I think the the reason that we're seeing Shane and Roman, etc., on both shows as often as we are, is Vince feels he needs more top names, more McMahons, and more Romans on both shows because he looked at things after the Superstar Shakeup and looked at the ratings and pulled the ripcord, um, and it, or broke glass in case of emergency. I guess is is the phrase that I used at the time. Um, and and so between that and because he's thinking to himself, you know, well, can I really afford to not have some of these top stars on both shows? Raw's going to be hurt if Roman Reigns isn't on Raw anymore, and I can't, he can't afford to have Raw ratings go down anymore. It's it's embarrassing headlines um, on pwtorch.com. You can read the 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 breakdown of of the somewhat alarming ratings for Raw last night. And yes, they were up against a big college, uh, or excuse me, a big uh, NBA championship game that, that could have led to the end of a series. But um, they've, like I said, they faced stiff competition before and not dropped below 2 million. Uh, Love and Hip Hop Atlanta beat Raw's third hour. It tied the second hour um, when rounding. I think without rounding, it beat it in the uh, 18 to 49 key demo. Um, only Raw's first hour was was atop the cable ratings in terms of that 18 to 49 demo. But it's like the second hour dropped 500,000 viewers. You know, it's a big drop off. Vince with, I think in Vince's mind, he's just thinking if Roman's not on both shows, we're going to be in trouble because we've invested so much in Roman. So that plays into it. Also, I think he's thinking, let's make Raw and SmackDown more episodic. If you're into the Raw characters, you have to watch SmackDown 2 in order to not miss out on major storyline developments. And vice versa, if you're a SmackDown fan, now you got to watch Raw to not just 
play catch up on Tuesday nights. So his strategy might be, let's see if we can get Raw viewers to watch SmackDown and SmackDown viewers to watch Raw by having some but not all of the top storylines carry over. So that's my best case for how, that's my best estimate of the rationale of Vince, what triggered it and what justifies it. Uh, Jake, your thoughts? Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned uh, Love and Hip Hop Atlanta because I, I think it showcases the failure of their efforts to bring women into this, you know, into watching WWE as a whole. Because it, if you look at Love and Hip Hop Atlanta's ratings, like it's it's a very popular show with women in the prime, you know, eighteen to forty nine demographic, and you know, the, WWE is not capturing hardly any of those viewers, you know, that's not the audience that watches Roddy. And, uh, you know, the NBA game is obviously going to peel off, you know, some of, you know, the, the you know, the, the male 18 to 49 demo that they primarily target. But, you know, they, they, they've spent several years now, uh, you know, building this women's evolution and it's not, you know, paying dividends for them. And I think they really need to think about why that is. Uh, but, you know, just from a general programming perspective i i think what they're doing with the the wild card rule and having repeat programs on raw and smackdown is you know it's just cementing the damage that they've done to both of these brands because it's you know they were the best when they were different you know you look back to 2016 or maybe even you know i guess it was probably mid 2016 when they first uh you know rolled out the the new brand split uh with with the with the draft or the you know how when they when they did that initial uh draft on raw and i i think they there was some optimism at that point about smackdown being uh you know treated as a better show and i've you know, I've covered SmackDown now for, gosh, almost 10 years on ProWrestling.net. And this is, you know, we, we are not at the bottom of the barrel in comparison yeah. to some of those shows, uh, you know, 10 years ago. But I think it has kind of slipped into the realm of feeling like you're just watching a continuation of Raw again. And I think that's yeah. a that's a mistake. And I think the, the, the general premise that there are silver or magic bullets for WWE's booking problems are are an issue in and of its uh, of themselves because they've got you know it's taken years for them to to book themselves into this mess and i think it's going to take years of consistently rebuilding their characters and their shows for them to get back out of it and i think the the continual you know the, the electric chair interview and the wild card and the 24 7 title they're they're symptoms of the problem and, and not solutions to the problem and which you know i, I think means they have to uh they have to come up with some fresh ideas which they seem like they're just kind of out of these days yeah all right uh jay anything else you want to add um real quick and i'll let you go this is it my last point it just reminds me i don't know if you I uh, had the chance to hear Bruce Pritchard give an explanation on his podcast, uh, you know, maybe a couple months ago or recently, um, about why Raw seems to get more attention than SmackDown from like Vince McMahon. Um, and his his answer was uh, because Raw is always next. And at first, I'm like, oh, that's just an excuse. It didn't make sense. But I understood it from a standpoint of, you know, he was saying, you know, after all, you got one day to get ready for SmackDown, whereas after SmackDown, you got yeah. another, you know, I guess five or six days before Raw again. So Raw is always next. So, you know, it, but it's just. But, you know, but, but, but <laughs> SmackDown, um, 
was the second show. It was a tape show. It was for a while on on UPN in a, in a you know a, it was a big deal being on broadcast television yeah. compared to cable, uh, but it's it's been for a long time on on a secondary channel. It's in re- relatively yeah. recent no, times right. it moved up. Right. So I would say that that might be a, a, a reason that something that would have that would have happened for other reasons is more likely to continue. But it is absolutely positively an oversimplified. Uh, explanation for something that has other factors that I think uh, yeah. you know led to it in the first <laughs> place. But but it's it's interesting because when they moved to Fridays and they moved to Fox, broadcast network bigger deal than USA Network, more more homes, more prestige, all of that. And what comes first now? They're, if they're both live, you got SmackDown on Friday, two days, and then Raw. Then you have three days, and then SmackDown. That's so true. SmackDown comes first. So. In a sense, like I, I, I don't think it's good to cement that SmackDown's a B show heading into Fox, and I think they are doing that. I mean, the the Firefly Funhouses don't premiere on SmackDown; they premiere on Raw. And then, if you're a SmackDown viewer and, and a Raw right. viewer, you know what do you do during that time? Well, I guess you should rewatch it because they are kind of worth rewatching. But um, there's all kinds of signals they're sending up. Michael Cole, the more experienced announcer, and he hosts Raw. Uh, Tom Phillips, the junior member, uh, he hosts SmackDown. I mean, there's all kinds of you know two hours versus three, on and on. So. Um, you know, where, what title does Brock yeah. Lesnar chase and want? All of those things. So that perception is there. They can hit the reset button when they move to Fridays on, on Fox, but I don't think they should damage the SmackDown brand in the meantime. And I, and I think they are with not having exclusivity and continuing on with things like repeating the Firefly Funhouse and having SmackDown seem like it's it's the follow-up to the main things that happen on Raw. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I know Raw three hours, but, you know, what's the harm one week in waiting until Tuesday night to debut that week's Firehouse, uh, Firefly Funhouse. You know what I mean? Just yep. like you said, just to switch it up. You know, so, but, but that's all I have. Thank, thanks, Wade. Thanks. Cool. Thanks, Jay. Yeah. Good conversation. Appreciate it. All right. Well, uh, we'll shift now uh, to the onsite correspondent and we'll talk to him about what it was like uh, in the building and uh, what happened before and afterwards. The, the dark match, by the way, was uh, announced as Finn Balor versus Shinsuke Nakamura. So I'm uh, curious to see how that New Japan Dream match turns out in Sacramento, California tonight. Uh, so Jake will be back with me, and, and we'll be by with our on-site correspondent, Sean, in just a moment. While the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Post Shows and Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Podcasts and PW Torch Daily Casts are all ad-supported free programs, you can make the ads and plugs Go away. And wouldn't it be great to listen to this straight through without ads and plug? You can become a VIP member and unlock access to 30-plus years of archives, a podcast, retro radio shows, and over 1,500 back issues of the Pro Wrestling Torch newsletter dating back to the late 1980s. And uh, get our new podcasts every single day. Ad-free and plug-free. Not just the free ones, but the exclusive ones only for VIP members, including about a dozen others per week that I am part of. You can do that by becoming a VIP member. Full details at pwtorchvipinfo.com. Dot com. That's pwtorchvipinfo.com. It averages $8.25 a month if you choose the one-year option, or you can go month-to-month for $9.99. Check out full details at pwtorchvipinfo.com. All right, we're back with our on-site correspondent, John Covington, who is a uh, contributor to MMA Torch, a VIP member. Uh, and Jake Barnett from ProSync.net still with me. Uh, but, uh, Sean, w- welcome to... The uh, Wade Keller Pro Sync Post Show following SmackDown. Uh, <laughs> thank you. Good to be here. <laughs> Excellent. Good to have you. So uh, we've got a lot to ask you about, but we'll, we'll just start with the uh, usual. What was the crowd like in Sacramento size-wise? How full was the building? What was tarped off? 
I was about 70% full. Uh, nothing really topped our, topped all, uh, except uh, the usual part on the, our camera side. Yeah. Uh, so upper up deck was open? 75%. I'm uh, sorry? The upper deck was not tarped off and there were people up there? Uh, yeah, there were some people up there, but that's where it got a little sparse. Okay, yep. And uh, how how would you describe the crowd? Uh, enthusiastic, uh, uh, cooperative, <laughs> um, eating what they were great. being fed? Great, no, yeah. great. Yeah. Great. Like, the last match got just as big a pop as Miz did when he came out. It, the crowd seemed very excited about New Day being there and seeing the three together again. Oh, yeah, they did. Oh, yeah, they did. Yeah. Well, we'll get to that. Um, I'll actually ask you first, uh, or not first, but before we get to the main show, uh, did you get there in time to see what the warm-up match was? No, I did not, actually. Uh, traffic was kind of crazy out here. I drove uh, two hours to get here, so man, I got here like maybe five minutes after everything started. Oh, wow. Okay. Yep. All right. So if we move to uh, to, to SmackDown, we'll just kind of march through it in order so we don't miss anything uh, in terms of the major topics. Okay. Uh, so Miz came out first, uh, had to read a script reluctantly. How did the crowd react to Miz and then talk about the crowd reaction for Shane and Drew as they came out? Uh, he, well, Miz got the biggest pop of the night. And, and it's by a slim margin because I'm telling you, 205 Live showed up and showed out for this crowd. And they loved it. So Miz got the biggest wow. pop, but it was by a slim margin. Interesting. All right. Um, and then uh, did 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 Shane have serious heel heat coming out? Uh, not. I, I don't. They loved him. Uh, so it was it was a mixed reaction. But he he got the heat when he needed it. Okay. Okay. Yep. Um, uh, go ahead, uh, Jake. Jump in with a question about SmackDown. Yeah. So I, I guess the uh, the biggest question that came to my mind was it, it seemed like that main event uh, was basically built around getting to Big E's hot tag towards the end of the match. So I guess just uh, how did that pop rate in comparison to some of the other larger ones? It, it seemed like it was pretty loud on television, but it's always hard to gauge based on just listening to the TV. Um, it was super loud. It was just under uh, Miz and him coming out. Just under Miz. Wow. Um, and, and definitely the, the first big-name babyface gets an advantage, but it's not mm-hmm. always the biggest of the night. Um, so that's a, a testament to, to what the crowd thought of Miz. Uh, talk about the reception for New Day and, and, and elaborate on that, the excitement for them, how the crowd reacted to what they were saying and, and the pancakes and Big East gyrating. I mean, was, was that... A, a, if you were not, uh, if you had missed WWE for you know the last ten years and you showed up, would you think, oh wow, this is a really big time, big time act? Oh no, I definitely would because that pop Big E got was just like the sorry about that, yeah, <laughs> just like the uh, everything started, just like when Miz came out. Uh, New Day, everybody, uh, Kofi can fling those pancakes pretty far, so uh, <laughs> they were they were gyrating it up and dancing and everything for that. So they were they were. Pretty, pretty up on on their feet uh, at the end of the match. Uh, not not during it because it was kind of a lengthy match uh, for the crowd, and it was kind of a long night. So uh, they were definitely up for it, but they they paced themselves. They had to pace themselves when it came to that New Day match. But yes, I would I would say that the crowd saw that that was a pretty big act and it was a pretty big deal because they came out twice. And they didn't get as big a pop the second time, but it was still pretty good. Like, really good. 
Um, okay. And and how about uh, the we had in the caller segment uh, a little earlier on the show, a couple of people call up and they talked about how they thought there were some racial undertones with Sammy Zayn and what he had to say, uh, in particular the line, what that tells me in reference to the crowd cheering Kofi winning, even though Xavier interfered to cost Ziggler a chance at victory. What that, what those cheers tell me is that these disgusting people don't care about justice. These people have no morals. You have no ethical code. code. All that matters to you is who you like and who you don't like. Um, I, Jake and I didn't think of it that way. We had two callers in a row. One brought it up. The second said his wife was peripherally paying attention and said, why do they always have to make it about, uh, you know, about that? Um, did that jump out to you at all? Did you pick up on that? And your thoughts on whether there was some undercurrent to Sammy's uh, promo? Uh, no, it, it definitely worked. Um, Sammy, Sammy had to work to get that crowd against him. He really did. Uh, and... It it, it 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 was it was kind of a, a task at first because they didn't they didn't get Sammy didn't get the pop because he came out with KO the first time and uh, it was really difficult for them to to boo Kevin Owens because I, uh, I I go to all the shows when they come here and I don't remember Kevin Owens being here even when I was just in the bathroom someone was said uh, I haven't seen Kevin Owens wrestle yet so it was really difficult but yeah he had to send those subliminals to the crowd and. Well, not subliminals, but he had to do that in order for the crowd to actually to steer them in the direction they wanted. Same thing with Shane and and, and when when Miz when they were working a crowd, they had to do it right because the crowd was really popping for pretty much everyone <laughs> except Carmella and Sonya Deville, oh, okay. especially Mandy Rose. They didn't care about Mandy Rose at all. Carrie, uh, or uh, Alexa Bliss. Corey Graves cares enough for all of us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, so what what was your take on what's what Sammy was going for? Do you think the intent was to have it seem like there was a code to what he was saying, or was it just a heel complaining about fans cheering baby faces when they cheat, but booing heels when they cheat in similar ways, and that's hypocritical? And it's it, that it that it's just that's what it is, and anything else is projecting. It's hard to say because it's uh. It's really, really hard to say. Yeah, I think that it was. I don't think it was projecting. I think. That, sorry, I lost you for a second. Uh, I, I don't know. It's it's too it's too close for me to call. It yeah. really is. Yeah, I think yep, it is. Fair enough. Absolutely. So I, I'm curious about uh, uh, the reception for Bailey. Uh, that's been up and down. Uh, as a babyface act, and she was sort of put in a position where Alexa Bliss is making up lies about her. I assume, uh, block, you know, blocking Nikki Cross and although or um, blocking Alexa, and then t- you know, liking a negative comment about Nikki and all that stuff that they established going into the match. And people tend to like Alexa Bliss, even when she plays her her snarky heel. Uh, what was the crowd reaction like f- for Bailey? Did it seem like she was a, a championship level babyface star? Yes, she got several chances. Every time she made a babyface comeback, and and then this this um this crowd was ready for the babyface comebacks all night. Uh, every time there was a babyface comeback, they would come right back and they would cheer. They knew what time it was. Uh, my co-host said, and, and he's my co-host. He said that there was a uh, he said that it was a dumb crowd, but it actually wasn't. It was actually a pretty smart crowd. They just wanted to go. They were enjoying the show. Sure. So, yep. Uh, 
Jake, go ahead, jump in. No, but they they loved her. Sorry, they they loved they loved Bailey. Did, they, did oh, let me ask this? Did they react to Nikki at all? Did they seem invested in her character? No, and it was Alexa Bliss's music that did it. It was definitely uh, that because okay. uh, we know we know who Nikki Cross is, and then even even uh, my homies uh, Panda and Doc were like, "Hey, <laughs> what happened to Nikki's music?" And I was like, "I don't know." I, I, I that was a strange move for me. Very strange move. As I've said before, my friends' nicknames or my friends' names are so boring. You know, Jake, Jason, Todd, Bruce. <laughs> and you got the best nicknames for your friends. All right. Uh, I mean, I mean, but uh, you know, I'm Sean, so you know that's, that's a regular name. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, uh, Jake, go ahead and uh, sorry, Jake, I didn't mean to. Your your name is better than than Jason. I'll put it that way. And Bruce, <laughs> Jake's pretty cool. <laughs> so the, you mentioned Alexa Bliss didn't get much of a reaction. Was, do you think that was just because of the confusion around Nikki Cross and her music, or was it something else? Because it seemed like there was wasn't both. a whole lot of. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. No, it, it was both. Uh, they didn't like. They would have popped for maybe Charlotte, but they didn't. They didn't like the blonde type. They didn't. They weren't going for it. They didn't like them. Yeah, I, I noticed they were pretty quiet for the. I mean, we didn't. I wasn't really able to hear the crowd over any of that uh, Alexa and Nikki Cross backstage segment either. So I don't know if that program just isn't clicking or people just haven't warmed up to it yet. But I guess you uh, you noticed it too in the in the building because it, it sure did seem like the crowd was dead for Nikki's entrance. Uh, um, Sean, oh, go ahead, Sean. Yeah. Yes. No, it, it, it's the fact that uh, well, we know the, the crowd is smart, and they they thought maybe that Nikki Cross would come across more of a a baby face, but then again, she was also going up against Bailey, so they were just put in a tough spot. Um, there were an, uh, quite a bit of video content, uh, videos for Saudi Arabia uh, on those shows, and then uh, the Firefly Funhouse and the 24-7, uh, some other ones too. D- did the crowd seem engaged during the video segments, or did it depend on who was on the screen? Nope. Through all of them, they loved them. They loved every video package. Now, they didn't boo any video packages or get restless. This, uh, the Sacramento crowd, as I said before, they just know how to pace themselves. Uh, I don't, I, I, it's just a common thing. They just really know how to pace themselves. They were clapping during the commercials. Every time there was a flare of any kind on uh, screen, they would woo. Uh, they love the military stuff. They, they love, actually love the, there was one commercial that they did not like, and that was uh, the Ronda Rousey commercial. Oh, really? They booed her. Inter- okay. Yeah, they booed her. Interesting. <laughs> they did not like her at all, but they liked the Andre the Giant. The, uh, there was a Jimmy Fallon segment where they did the fifth grade promos, and that was over really big because you got to see Seth Rollins and Braun, guys who aren't there. Anytime a guy who wasn't there was on screen, they popped pretty big for him. They got a big reaction. Uh, all right. All right, cool. Um, did uh, there, there no, no sense of booing anything about Saudi Arabia then? No, it was just a commercial to them. They just uh, pretty much ignored it. They knew it was on screen. They just didn't acknowledge it. Okay, yep. Uh, Jake, anything else about the SmackDown TV show? I I was curious about what you thought about Heavy Machinery's promo because I it seemed like there was a decent reaction for it, but I, I was just like cringing nonstop while they were talking at home. So I, was that prevalent in the building or were people just kind of going along with it? Uh, they were going along with it, but actually they, they just interrupted pretty bad because the hometown heroes, uh, which actually uh, my buddy Doc, he can tell you a little bit more about that. Well, I, I only know one of them. That's AJ Kirsch. He's famous for Tough Enough. Uh, he and I went to wrestling school together up here in Northern California. 
You guys Are those the guys wearing the cardboard titles, the Yolo County? Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. yeah. So they got a big, the Yolo County got a really big pop. And um, so when the heavy machinery interrupted him, it was bad for them. Yeah. AJ's uh, actually got a bit of a following here because he, he does commentary for Hood Slam. He makes sporadic appearances throughout the Indies. You can probably find him in APW or SPW. I mean, he's still involved in the scene and has a very active social media life. So it's, uh, you know, AJ was a pretty well-known name. I don't know who the other one was. I didn't catch it. I was too busy kind of marking out for my old friend. Yeah, he had a, he had a uh, pretty pretty good section, actually, next to us. So every machinery messed up when it came out. Interesting. Okay. I am, uh, I, I'm, I'm not cringing when I watch Heavy Machinery. I enjoy I enjoy them. So I uh, just want to be on record. I enjoy them. They, that was the wrong spot. Those, the hometown guys had the pop. Even got to the home, yeah. hometown reception too so it was just it was just kind of the wrong time okay yep yep fair, fair enough uh, it, uh sean anything else from smackdown itself that jumped out to you in terms of crowd reactions or segments we didn't talk about that that are noteworthy from being in the building uh did they show the iconics come out yeah mm, no nope that's been something they've been oh, doing well, off yeah, camera the- so the the iconics came out and they addressed the crowd and they were saying, "Oh, they they said, oh, we're not going to do anything for Sacramento." Oh, the what, first what, what's the capital of California? Los yeah, Angeles. Yeah, <laughs> that's where they're going to be. I suppose that's the next place they're going to be. So they said, "Oh, you guys aren't going to do anything." And then um, uh, Billy Kay did her "You Got to Be Joking Me" spot, and the crowd loved the iconics. Actually, I mean, they know what they are. They accepted that they were uh, loud and annoying. But they loved that they came out. I did too, and they did the. Uh, it's like the promos they had in NXT. Yeah, they did the iconic pop. So that every they did the iconic spot. So the crowd actually really liked them coming out. I think we have breaking news here. Raw's, Raw and SmackDown are going to be in Sacramento every week for for the indefinitely after the description <laughs> of this crowd. Wow. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's a, uh, John, Johnny Fairplay. Uh, he was saying that you guys should open up a uh, a, res- uh, a wrestling promotion. The last time I was on, actually, it was oh, a yeah. double Raw. You, they say it again. The last part. The last. Uh, it was the double raw when they did it uh, right before the uh, right before the new year. Oh sure, sure, yep. Oh, and he was saying that just because the crowd is so positive towards WWE. Yeah, super positive. Yeah, I mean, yeah. uh, two. I don't know if you want to know about two hundred five live, but man, they loved it. it. Yeah, yeah. Let's it let's was uh, a better show. Yeah, and Jake, do you have anything else about the SmackDown TV show before we move to two hundred five live? No, I was actually just I was I was hoping to ask about uh, uh, Chad Gable and uh, uh, I guess he had a, he debuted on Two Hundred Five Live and had a decent match. So oh, good, yeah, yes, he did. Yeah. yeah, talk. So Sean, yeah, talk talk us. We have not seen it, but it's not really a spoiler because um, it's already on the network. So uh, go ahead and and talk about it. So yeah, he uh, so Chad Gable debuted a slightly new look. He had his cut hair. <laughs> yes. uh, Kraut was kind of confused. Oh. Yeah, trunks. Well, he's kind of been doing trunks a little oh, bit, really? but okay. uh, my friend Doc here, uh, this is his first WWE show in quite some time. He oh, doesn't yeah. watch a lot of it, just NXT a little bit. Um, we get uh, Chad Gable, he cut his hair, Kraut really liked that match after. It was kind of grueling because they had to work. The uh, I want to say 30% of the crowd left, but like maybe. 10% of it, maybe 10% came back. So they had to work that crowd back into uh, back into it, but they did, and they got a really big crowd, was huge into that match, and that momentum carried all the 205 Live. It was it was more momentum than uh, SmackDown Live got because of the commercials. SmackDown Live will get great momentum. Oh, sure. Uh, like with Daniel, 
with Daniel Bryan and stuff like that came out. They were doing yes chants and everything. Like commercial. And then they killed it with a commercial. Died from commercials. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's absolutely right. All that heat died. And then um, they had to ramp it back up again, but they could never quite get there. But 205 Live just kind of, you know, ran through their stuff. Uh, yeah, but Chad Gable and um, he, Jack they Gallagher. Popped for, yeah, and Jack Gallagher, that's who he took on. They had a uh, Jack Gallagher uh, lost via uh, count out. Uh, but it was a really good, good count out. Good it was a great finish, yeah. actually. And the crowd, the crowd, Really liked the the good, the all, all the uh, the finger stuff that uh, yeah the joint manipulation the joint manipulation that uh, Gallagher was the, doing really had to get him into it, but they did it. Long suplexes. Uh, then there was a, a Mike and Maria spot about uh, Drake Maverick. They were just arguing over opportunities. They called Drake Maverick out on uh, him not being there that much after he called him out on uh, being on social media and saying that they didn't really want to be there. Um, and then speaking of not being there, uh, Noam Dar talked about going over to NXT UK, which is really interesting because I think, like I've, I've been saying this before, I think that uh, 205 Live is going to FS1 because it's the easiest story to tell and it's the best wrestler. It just is. It's so simple. If you slap <laughs> that right on FS1, you can get whoever you want. So, I mean, you can... And you they can should hold it in Sacramento side. every week. They should. Yeah, I would. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you'll be our it'd, it'd be nice to have a, <laughs> it, it, it would. It would. Uh, it would be a good. Um, if they could do that, it would be pretty great for them if they had like a a, a certain place to have it at every time because that crowd stayed and they loved it. So um, yeah. Then there were there were two luchas that came out. They didn't even. They didn't even announce them. I don't know what they did on TV, but they 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 got no introduction. Uh, the Singh brothers came out and they said introducing first, and then I didn't hear anything else. <laughs> so yeah. that that team didn't get introduced. But the Singh brothers went over. They were actually over pretty big with the crowd. There was a bunch of kids standing up dancing uh, when the Singh brothers danced, uh, and the moves got over pretty well. Uh, so yeah, they, they they picked up the win and they, they were pretty good. Back to Bollywood boys. Yeah, they're basically the Bollywood boys. Oh, I don't okay. know if they actually say that, but they're the Singh brothers. Um, um, Tony Nese had an interview. He said he wanted to face Tozawa, uh, and there and that, that brings him to the Fatal Four Way. That was the main event of uh, uh, Two Hundred Five Live. It was between Tozawa, uh, Lorkin, Gulak, and Umberto. So um, uh, Umberto got a big pop. Everyone got a big pop. They, they all did. They all yeah, did actually. They, and that match was really good. I mean that that crowd hate like Gulak got good heel heat, but. They absolutely ate up everything in that main event. They loved it, and it was over. It was over more than the SmackDown main event. Oh yeah, like easily, probably double the amount over. Oh yeah, it, it was huge. They had a, they had a, they had about three two hundred five live chants each bigger than the next wow. biggest chant of the night too. Bigger than the Bailey chant. Got a this is awesome chant. We got an, uh, another chant that I couldn't make out. We got only only working chant that I started. They didn't get off. But <laughs> I still started. And he's wearing Bruins colors, and that's disgusting. Yeah, it is. <laughs> got hockey, man. <laughs> uh, but the crowd—the crowd was actually on the feet for the entire main event. The entire main I event. Actually, I do actually do have a very important question for Wade. Okay. You have a question for Wade. Yeah. Does yeah. Zucker okay. play for the Wild next year? Say that again. Does Zucker play for the Wild next year? Ooh, sixty forty no. Sixty forty no. He said forty no. Yeah. 
I like him. Um, Big weapon or lose. Oh, yeah, I mean, you got to get something for him. But, I mean, he's I, – I like him. I think he's one of the guys who – if he's a lifer, I think he'll be, you know, huge in this town for a long time. Um, but – they got to do what they got to do to change the culture in that locker room. I mean, uh, the, the, from, you know, what I'm hearing from people in the know, in the media, it just, the, the, you know, even Charlie Coyle, you know, going to the Bruins and just saying, oh my God. So this is what it's, I mean, he, you know, it's Charlie Coyle, so he's really nice, but he, he basically said, oh, so this is what it's like to be in a locker room with actual leadership and camaraderie. And, you know, there was, you know, incidents where some guys were called up from the minors, uh, like prospects in the wild. And then they would like dine alone because the veterans on the team like didn't actually like take them out and learn about them and talk to them. And so the, the feeling is with the new GM, they got to they got to shake things up and kind of blow it up, but don't do it without getting value back. And Zucker is the one remaining, you know, two, one remaining piece. So that, 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 you know, you can really trade for top, top value, but they got to get something back with, you know. Yeah, no, I'm actually a big fan of uh, of Sutter. I mean, he's a hell of a player. I figure his leadership would uh, carry over a bit better. But no, yeah, nobody I mean, likes it's him. Kind of a team without identity right now. It's really kind of confusing and unfortunate to watch. Nobody likes Sutter. I mean, he's like a good player, but he's not. I don't think he's. I considered... think he's a great player. Well, no, no, I'm he's not. Okay, but he's a great player. Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah. But I, th- I should when I, I'm like using shorthand here, and we're losing ninety ninety nine point two percent of our audience talking this long about the Wild, but. No, no, but I, but I, you, but I'm in the middle of it, so I'm gonna. Um, I just don't think Sutter comes across. I, I think the idea was that, or you know, part of it is that it's an excuse, not a reason, uh, or it's a reason, not an excuse. I guess a better way to put it uh, that the, the Wild is just a bunch of like veterans who are married and go home to their kids, and they're just you know they they treat it like a job. And but on other teams, you know, even veterans with families are more likely to just be more engaged with the team concept. So whatever, it's just. Something's got to change, and you know, their Zucker could be part of that change. So, anyway. Hey, uh, well, my team just put Corey Perry on the trade block, so you could take another veteran that uh, will give you 15 goals a season. <laughs> yeah. All yeah, right. I just cut him off because he's a Ducks fan, and I'm a Blackhawks fan, so all of that's done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, oh, no. Um, and they were dueling. So, with 205 Live, um, Gulak and Tazawa had a double pin. They pinned each other, and they were dueling uh, refs and uh, du- dueling refs hand raises. Where Gulak would raise his hand, they go boo, and then they go yay. When yeah, so um, yeah, so I mean, and and then it was, and then there was a, a dark match with Shinsuke and uh, Finn, and they actually got the second and third biggest ops of the night. Wow, and it was crazy. Yeah, I know. It was the Miz, then it was uh, Shin and Finn, and then um, 205 Live slash Bailey. Bailey wow. got a Bailey got a pretty big big pop as a single. Yeah, but like they were cheering for 205 just in total. And obviously, yeah. And, so, and New, New Day was up there, but New Day was like fifth. Wow. On that list, they were they were big, but they they um. Yeah, they, they kind of kept people at certain levels. And I would say the 205 Live as a whole was over more than SmackDown itself. Yeah. Well, it, it helps when they're on the West Coast for for 205 Live because it's, you know, the show's going on at, you know, 7 or 8 o'clock or whatever. It's like it's – the night is young. Right. So that that definitely helps, whereas, you know, on the East Coast, fans are like, oh, God, they're looking at their watch, c- calculating how much sleep they're going to miss out on. So that that helps, but – um, it, it isn't the be all I know. So uh, t- tell tell me about uh, what happened with Finn and Shinsuke. How how long did the match go, and and what was the finish? Uh, it went about uh, maybe eight minutes. Okay. Um, max. 
Um, it was pretty good. Uh, Shinsuke looked like he was maybe going to win. They they do pop for uh, they did a, they did stuff that uh, you would see on SmackDown, but it was a little bit better than that. It was better than a regular TV match. Not, they had their signatures. Yeah, they had their signatures, but they did a couple of different yeah, they, things. You know, the couple finish, different. Uh, you know we, we could see the finish coming. Yeah, uh, Doc seconds. unfortunately called the finish. Uh, I didn't like that. I was I was hoping there was a title change out of nowhere so that I could like, hey, I got breaking news. There was a title change, but no. I'm trying to think if there's anything left I was going to ask about Jake. Anything else you want to ask about? No, I think that was pretty thorough. They covered yeah. pretty much everything. Yeah, Sean and uh, Sean and company. Thank you. Uh, any anything else you want? I you know what I was going to say. Um, yeah. The commercial breaks. You guys talked about that in the flow of talking about two hundred five live. But do you? Th- mm-hmm. I understand the reason they do it. I mean, there is a reason they do it, which is you know try to get TP, people yeah. watching TV to go. Oh, Bailey's coming out. I like her. Oh, she's wrestling next. Okay, well now I'm invested in her entrance. I'm going to stick around through the commercial. In theory, that's what they're doing. Now, ratings haven't gone up. They've gone down. It's, you know, you can't really quantify right. whether it's helping. But talk about from the, you have this really enthusiastic crowd. So it's a good test case. How different do you think the TV show would have come across if they weren't killing the heat with three and a half, four minute, five minute, six minute breaks, if they go to a video package even? Um, between Maybe 205 Live. Yeah, yeah. So how much from a TV yeah. standpoint do you think I would have experienced and Jake and I would have experienced something different watching it on TV had they not done that because the crowd would have just been red hot the whole time? Yeah, you would have been just like that crowd in there if you, if, if if they hadn't had any commercials. I mean, the commercials took us out of it. I, I, I was just like, damn, another commercial? Like, dude, it just had one. And they were long. Each, and they were all – here's the thing. Can I have a Kentucky Fried Chicken commercial? Can I have a Popeye's Chicken commercial? Something. I'm just sick of WWE commercials. <laughs> They're just, I'm already there, dude. Yeah. Like, stop programming me. I'm already programmed. I bought a <laughs> ticket. Stop. Stop programming me. That's great. Um, <laughs> I just want something different. Yes. Um, okay. I uh, think that is it for me. Any, uh, any T-shirts from non-WWE promotions? I guess I'll ask that. I did what colors do. I'm done, and then I asked Doc is wearing a, uh, a Kitty Omega Bullet Club shirt. So. There's, a, there's actually a lot of the Elite Bullet Club shirts. Uh, uh, elite, bullet, uh, elite Bullet Club the shirts. So. Yeah. Okay. Okay. No, nothing else, though? Jumped I got, out? Non- uh, t-shirt? Other t-shirts? No, nothing else jumped out. Just regular stuff. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I, got, I got one more thing. Yeah. If I can, if I may. Yes, you can. I like to plug, uh, <laughs> I like to pl- uh, plug Sporticus. Doc and I do a show. We actually call it the unofficial west coast cast yes because it's pw torch and fire <laughs> it's unofficial of course so we call it the unofficial west coast cast uh well it's, it's called sporticus as uh, sport icus uh we do it live on twitch so uh, if you you uh search twitch is sporticus live or uh, you can just look up sporticus on facebook and you can find us there <laughs> oh yeah we curse a lot on that it's still <laughs> okay, okay. You've held back on this on the show. We appreciate it. Uh, we won't have to do oh, a, a in the words of in the words of Velveteen Dream. Wait, call me up. I want to be on the on the main roster. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Sean. Thank you. Uh, appreciate it. Thanks to everybody uh, who has contributed to the show uh, uh, to contribute to the onsite correspondence and all, all the insight and laughs. I appreciate it. Thank you, Wade. Yep, you bet. All right. All right, we're back for the mailbag segment. And before we get to the first email, 
uh, which, by the way, the subject line is Shane ruining WWE. <laughs> so we have that coming up. Um, and actually, some other I, – I'm, I haven't – Read the emails yet, but I'm excited by the the subject lines of these. So, um, but first, uh, uh, Jake, the uh, uh, let people know again how they can uh, hear more from you during the week and uh, what website you write for and all that good stuff. Sure. Yeah, you can find my weekly SmackDown recaps at ProWrestling.net, and I also do the uh, weekly. Uh, you know, it's, it's our flagship .net weekly show with Jason Powell that comes out on Thursdays, and uh, you can find me on Twitter at Barnett Jake. Excellent. All right. We'll go to uh, our first email here. Jason in Cleveland. Headline or the uh, subject line, Shane ruining WWE. Now, six months ago, I'd have loved this, but I'm enjoying Shane. So now I'm a little little nervous about what he's going to say here. This whole Shane being the best in the world and being a major storyline is taking away TV time from more deserving roster members. It's also doing more bad than good for Drew McIntyre and Elias. I'm just about done with WWE. If it weren't for NXT, I'd probably cancel the network. I can't wait for the weekly AEW episode so I can be saved from five hours of garbage every week. Thankfully, I won't have to wait to see the 619 for a while. Really, they landed on the middle rope with their arms draped over the rope every time. (laughs) Jason and Cleveland. The only thing worse is the setup for uh, Alberto Del Rio and his uh, stomp off the ropes. And I know others do it, too, where the wrestler just suspends themselves uh, horizontally uh, so that they can reach the full, you know, uh, absorb the full impact of, of the boots to their chest. That, that just drove me absolutely nuts. But anyway, that's, I don't think, Jason's main point. Uh, Jake, what do you think? I, I, I think Drew, is, I was nervous at the beginning. I think he's coming out of this ahead. Um, I am also only, I, I, my tongue is in my cheek when I say this, but I will deny that it was in my cheek if it actually happens, because I think it's possible that Shane McMahon is the WWE champion when they debut on Fox, and Drew McIntyre um, is fed up with Shane's ego trip and not getting a title shot, and Drew turns babyface and beats Shane to become WWE champion before the end of the year. That's, it. if Shane weren't like almost 50 and not a wrestler, based on the push he gets and the heel heat he's getting and the promo time, that you would think that's the course we're in who he's pinning. I mean, tonight, uh, last uh, uh, super showdown. I mean, if, if you erase Shane from it and put a generic 28 year old wrestler or 32 year old wrestler in Shane's spot, you'd be like, Oh, yeah, this guy's on course to be champion, he's beating everybody, he's gonna be champion by the time fall comes around. Well, they're, they're certainly you know setting him up as the most over heel on the show, and I, I think he's done. Uh, a good job on the microphone of being obnoxious and, and going after heat and being unafraid of uh, you know of upsetting the crowds and it, you know he he does a decent job of dismissing them when he has to and getting to his point on the microphone so I, I really don't have any issue with Shane's performance when it comes to being a heel I, I do think he he does a lot of harm uh, in the sense that he's in the ring and he's. I mean, aside from a few, you know, acrobatic spots, he's pretty terrible all around. Uh, and, and, and having him be competitive with people like The Miz and, and especially Roman Reigns is is patently ridiculous. I mean, I, I think he absolutely dominated the first five or six minutes of that match with Roman at Super Showdown. And there's just there's just no reason for it. You know, I, I don't know why he wouldn't be playing the coward in the ring, constantly being rescued by his cronies, but he's just not. And so I, I don't really understand the full scope of what they're going for with the character i don't think shane you know is good enough to justify you know occupying as much screen time as he does but i mean you can't deny that you know they put him in a position where he is basically the number one heel of the company at this point do you think it's crazy to think he'll be wwe champion come october 
you know, I I think I just blocked that part of the conversation out because I don't want to <laughs> contemplate it seriously. But uh, yeah, I, I hope not. But I, I, you know, I think the alternative may be either Brock or Roman being champion, and I, I think that's probably just as bad in my opinion. <laughs> right? Uh, is how how do you think Drew is coming out of this? Like, is is this leading to his babyface turn, or is this just to give him a boost as a heel, or do you think he comes out of it damaged goods for? Because I, I don't think like Shane is demeaning Drew. He's not treating him as anything but a big deal who's got his back. And Drew is getting to stay true to his character and be the badass. And he is the sequel, not the setup, to Shane Reigns. So that's better, too. I, I don't know that I, I think Drew is being hurt by this. Elias is being treated as a, as a, as a sidekick. But uh, Drew, I think, is being treated as, as a big deal. And I think the intent is for him to get a rub from being around a McMahon as much as people could argue that's overdone, overrated, and uh, overwrought. I had to do my Paul Heyman triple alliteration there. But uh, I, I, I think the intent is, is positive, and I think the outcome so far is positive. How about you? Yeah, I think Drew is far better off than he was the day after WrestleMania. You know, like you, you take a look at that feud he had with Roman and, and the way that it concluded with a very short and lopsided match at WrestleMania. And, uh, you know, I don't think you could look back and say that that was anything but a mistake, really. But I think they have done a decent job of rehabilitating him in this sense where, you know, at least he does feel like a legitimate threat to Roman Reigns at the stomping grounds show. And so, yeah, I think he's benefited, but I, you know, whether or not it makes up for, you know, the, the bunts of treating him rather poorly on television, I think remains to be seen. I I don't know if, uh, if he does break free of, of Shane McMahon or he becomes, you know, the, the primary in-ring competitor for whatever Shane is doing and he and Shane takes a step back from the ring work. You know, I, I think he be, he becomes a, you know, a, a credible heel, but is he ready for a championship run or are they going to put him in that position? I, I, I still don't know the answer to that. Yeah, yep, I don't either. Um, how, how important do you think NXT is to WWE Network subs? How many people do you think are are like Jason, who have a loyalty to NXT because it's a really good product, the TakeOver specials especially, but you know, there's a lot of people like me who really enjoy that relaxing, non-frenzied, ratings-driven, Vince McMahon-inspired uh, version of, of uh, one hour of wrestling with squash matches and the lack of overexposure of top names and, and really top shelf announcing from an enthusiastic, unabashed wrestling fan. Uh, and, and Nigel McGuinness also on color commentary, bringing, you know, the names of wrestling holds to the table and seeing indie stars that have paid their dues uh, being utilized really well. And then rising stars like Velveteen Dream and, Matt Riddle uh, not being m- m- screwed over or marginalized. Like, there's just I, – I, I, if I'm upset with WWE, the main brand, I part. I think a lot of people are like, yeah, but I, I sort of forgive them because at least Vince is, has stuck to his commitment to Triple H to be hands-off NXT and let Triple H do his thing. And and it is a – to I think some fans, in, in, an indispensable part of their wrestling fandom. And I wonder if NXT split off – into its own network or got dropped from the network and became a, 
you know, I, whatever. You know, if it wasn't part of the network package, no matter what the circumstances, I, I think they would lose a substantial percentage of their subscribers. I think it's highly underrated as the tipping point for a lot of people sticking around during tough times for Ron SmackDown. I mean, the takeover shows are indispensable. I mean, they've become you know, the the really the only must-watch WWE product in a lot of ways. You know, they're they're heavily anticipated, and I think people have become to think of them as some of WWE's premier events, and for good reason. Uh, I you know I don't know because WWE doesn't really publish any accurate numbers how many people are tuning in to the weekly NXT television show. But I, I enjoy it for all the same reasons that you listed, and I think I, you know, I, I typically end up watching it on on Hulu because I that's where I subscribe, and it ends up on there, uh, you know, on my feed basically yeah. immediately after it airs. But I mean, if it wasn't for the you know for NXT Takeover, and if they end up moving things, you know, in, in this new tiering system that they want to do, I'm curious to where NXT ends up because I do think it is important to you know their overall subscription but without knowing how many people are watching the weekly tv you know if if they end up moving the takeovers to a higher tier i think you do see a lot of people move up but if they if they gate off the nxt television show in the higher tier and leave the takeovers at the at the base tier then i'm not sure how many people jump up for that all right up next i'll go to uh, kevin in albany how do you feel about the revival joining shane's group i actually and this is I guess not, it's, it's not related to SmackDown, but sort of is because we're just talking about Shane. So I'm throwing this in here. I actually like what they're doing with Shane having muscle McIntyre and the old school tag team revival. The only problem is we assume Roman Reigns is going to destroy them all. They're just trying to recreate Vince's alliance from 20 years ago when Reigns just isn't the guy to have the odds stacked against him to overcome. We know how good Reigns is, and they repeatedly tell us twice a week. In reality, the storyline is perfect for Ambrose, but they messed that up. Who do you think could benefit from battling against Shane's alliance? Also, something I never really understood with the revival rumors of WWE wanting to buy, bury or embarrass them until their contract is up is if WWE really wanted to hurt the revival, wouldn't they just split them up? I doubt they have it in their contract that they can't be. So, uh, Jake, your, your take on that, a uh, little bit of a tie into SmackDown. Not a lot of Roman Reigns presence on his new brand tonight either. No, I think he just had the week off yeah. or something. Yeah. I guess I don't know what the what the situation was. But, yeah, it, it, even though he's not present, you know, it, he's... You know, they always have people talking about him, you know, uh, and typically in a positive light. You know, Shane went out of his way to put him over, you know, just to say that he beat him yesterday. And uh, and The Miz also did the same thing tonight where he talked positively about Roman. So, I, you know, it's one of those things where – and I think you know, Jason and I talked about this last week on our, on our podcast where it's – he he gets a little bit too much like Neo from the Matrix, where it's a, it doesn't really matter what the odds are. It's just the next impossible thing that he has to overcome, and he always seems to do it. I mean, there there was a, a period on you know SmackDown TV a couple of weeks ago where you had you know Elias and the B team and you know five or six talents up against him, and he's just easily dispatching all these guys without really uh, you know suffering any severe damage whatsoever. So I I think. I think, you know, 
they're setting up enormous odds against him because they've always portrayed him as a guy that can overcome just about anything. And, and and you get into this kind of feedback loop where you just have to continue raising the stakes over and over and over again. And it's something that they ran into with John Cena as well. And I, I don't think this approach is, is going to work long term because eventually you just run out of, you know, you, you run out of ideas. And I think they have to some extent in this case, but as far as, you know, baby faces who would make a good match for going up against Shane. I, I think they already had one in the opening segment with The Miz, but they, they quickly dispatched him at that point. Uh, it's it's not a SmackDown t- team, but it is a – Shane is – you know, they're with Shane, and Shane is on both brands. Um, what do you think of the revival? Are, you know, what's your interpretation of what they did with them, uh, with the Usos to try to, quote, embarrass them? I was always skeptical that Vince was bearing them. I, I thought there was a chance Vince was giving them the type of scatological ha-ha Vince humor heat that he thinks helps get heel acts over, and that in his own mind that was actually not bearing them. Um, and now that they're tag champs and they're with Shane, it it does kind of lend some credibility to the notion that Vince actually wasn't trying to bury them. Maybe he was testing them and they passed, but I don't know if it was a burial. You know, I don't know. I think we've heard enough recently about Vince's mindset that I don't think anything makes it to TV that he thinks is a bad idea. You know, I I think he does genuinely think what he's putting out there is good. And whether or not he his sensibilities line up with the audience's sensibilities is is another thing altogether. But I, I, you know, are the were you know are the revival or were the revival being punished for you know publicly asking for their release like you know perhaps but uh you know they, they certainly you know have the tag titles back and they're they're now suddenly rubbing elbows with with shane mcmahon who's the number one heel on the show and so i i think it's hard to interpret it through that lens at this point i just think it was something that they swung with and, and missed by a wide margin and the majority of the audience just didn't care for the the scat humor or whatever uh okay up next Sean says, this was really bugging me during the show, but why the heck are they playing Alexa's theme music when Nikki Cross is coming out to wrestle Bailey? I know Alexa is, quote-unquote, the biggest star, but come on, Nikki deserves to have her own music when she's coming out for her match. Sorry for the rant, but it was so annoying. Also, where's the Mandy Rose storyline going, if anywhere? Thank you for all your great content, and go VIP. Uh, that's Sean from Murfreesboro, Tennessee. PWTorchVIPInfo.com, 99 bucks gets you a whole year. Drop $99 today, and don't have to think about it again for a whole year that covers wrestlemania and everything in be- between now and then and beyond and also uh these shows go ad free and plug free so it's a streamlined listening experience pwtorchvipinfo.com yeah so i i my my thought when i first read it jake was thinking well alexa's a bigger star and this storyline is really about her but it, it is also about nikki i mean and how she's going to react when she kind of catches on to the manipulation and being taken advantage of but then i just thought if, I think if Nikki Cross had different music, they might have used it. But I think her current character, the way she's being portrayed, doesn't really fit her entrance music. So it might have just been, well, that entrance music just doesn't fit what we're doing with her, so let's go with Bliss. And that's actually the deciding factor. 
Yeah, I had the same thought. You know, they, her her instance music was very much tied into her erratic uh, previous character and included a lot of screaming and whatnot. And so it, it probably didn't fit the theme of what they're going for with her current act and, and the relationship she's having with with Alexa and, and whatnot. So I, I don't think it was driven, you know, by purely by the fact that they just wanted to give Alexa the, you know, the spotlight. I, I think it, it may have a lot to do with the themes of her previous music and how it would kind of be strange and, and, uh, and ill-fitting to what they're currently trying to do with her. I, I, you know, hopefully they have a new theme in mind and it's in place within the next couple of weeks because it will get awkward if she's continually coming out to somebody else's music on television. Up next, we'll go to uh, John from Tennessee. Uh, two nights of Miss TV, two nights of Too Much Shane McMahon, two nights of Alexa and Nikki backstage. SmackDown's now just a repeat of Raw, and Raw sucks. In the last six to eight weeks, there's been no Shinsuke Nakamura, Rusev, Sheamus, Buddy Murphy, Liv Morgan... AOP, and so many more. Hopefully the awful Raw rating makes WWE realize the wild card made the product ten times worse. It's killing my interest in the product. And he says, everyone go VIP. Uh, thanks, John. I, I, you know, when you mentioned Nakamura and Rusev, especially, like, to not, not be utilizing them, it's, I don't feel like they're saving them up for a push, but maybe they are. Maybe it's, let's get them off TV and they'll come back fresh with, with you know, a new push and they needed to be off TV for a while so we can... Uh, you know, give them uh, uh, so fans will look at them in a fresh way. But it does seem as if the wild card rule has taken away from that that the empty spots on the on the on the TV format sheet every week that forces Vince and the writers to come up with new ideas for new talent. Now, the counter to that is it seems like they're kind of pushing the tag team division a little bit more than average right now. Um, more TV time given to the revival, linking up with Shane. Um, you know, the the even though you were cringing, there was a segment on the tag titles tonight and part of the reason is Daniel Bryan's a, a top paid star and he's got the tag belt so so they want to make make that worthwhile and they know he's popular. Um, so you can counter-argue and say, hey, the women are still getting TV time and the tag teams are getting more TV time. But th- other than that, there is a lot of repetition and and certain guys are being uh, excluded. Yeah, you know, I think that's been the biggest you know drawback of the uh, the wild card is that we were seemingly getting the same, you know, 20 talents on TV every show every week and you know they, they don't spend a lot of time focusing on much else and I, I guess the the 24 7 segments have been you know the the material where you know the the lower card kind of gets some exposure and and they had the you know the six-man tag for the mid card on on monday night raw but they're not doing a lot of character development outside of the major programs, and I think that's been a criticism of both Raw and SmackDown for you know going on several years now. And I think it's one of the primary issues on the show. It's that you know they don't have that next thing in in the pipeline you know coming up because they don't spend any time developing programs outside of whatever the title challengers are or whatever the McMahons are doing at any given time. And I think with the wild card, it just made that even worse. And I think they will end up driving some people away as a result of that, because, you know, five hours of repetitive TV every week is, is not, you know, a key selling point for WWE at this point. It, it seems uh, this week, in, and I, I was thinking about it at the top of SmackDown, but I thought about it yesterday too. If AEW has had any effect on Vince, and, and I'm not sure that it had, because I mean, again, we could be projecting uh, a bit because Vince is Vince and he goes in cycles and stuff. But 
it does seem like maybe in response to AEW being a more sports-driven and, and marketing themselves as such. We'll see how that turns out because certainly being the elite isn't sports-driven, serious sports-driven. But Vince seems to be doubling down. And maybe it's because low ratings causes Vince to go back to his comfort zone until he can't afford to. And then he listens to outside ideas, but he's in his comfort zone. Uh, phase right now where he's doubling down on his proclivities. It is more of a variety show. Extra Miz TV, extra long Shane promos, Elias playing the guitar, backstage drama with the women. Uh, like Other than giving a push to tag teams, this is the, the TV shows lately are do feel like a little bit more variety hour and a little bit less almost a complete elimination on SmackDown of what SmackDown in, in seemed to be known for which is it's a show you can settle in and watch you're gonna see two or three semi-long matches between good wrestlers having you know sometimes it's 50 50 booking but you're seeing longer matches where you can settle in and feel like it's it's a sports competition simulated sports competition going even back to the Mauro Ronaldo era jake does that seem like smackdown has just become our four and five of raw and lost its identity in that way and do you kind of agree with my uh, uh, suggested premise that this is Vince kind of doubling down on his proclivities right now in the face of some uh, rating struggles. Yeah, and I think it may extend even further back than the most recent rating struggles. You know, I think you know 2016 SmackDown when the when they initially really launched the the new brand split felt very different than Raw and. There have been periods, you know, in the intervening time uh, where it, it, it still felt somewhat fresh. But I think whenever you know it became obvious in you know parts of 2017 and into 2018, where Vince was getting involved with certain programs, and you know you saw that with uh, with Road Dog getting increasingly more frustrated and eventually walking away from the writers' room on SmackDown. I think it's. Uh, you know, it's gotten to the point where you know I think SmackDown had a, a bit more freedom and felt very different at one time, and and now it's just kind of came back into Vince's orbit, and it just feels like hour four and five. Yeah. Yep. Uh, RJ from Alabama. It seems as though the Saudi government had a discussion with Vince about the lack of mentioning of Saudi Arabia on their broadcast prior to the show on Friday. In addition to the videos only featuring happy children and women, they are incessantly mentioning Saudi Arabia, along with constantly repeating the cross-cultural line, which sounds like a hostage statement by the announcers. Also, considering what Lars Sullivan had to say about Muslims, I do not think, and that this was, you know, in his late, late teens, early 20s when he's on that message board, uh, I do not think it's out of the realm to think that the Saudis wanted to make sure that Lars did not leave their country with a clean victory. Please consider your mailbag if it does not make the post show. Okay, it made the post show. Uh, thanks, RJ. Um, yeah, Jake, your take on on this line about you know it's the only sports entertainment entity that that uh, is cross cultural in every country, including last Friday and Jeddah, Saudi Arabia. Uh, your take on that line? There's a lot to unpack, but that does seem to be their official pushback. Uh, and and I'm I'm curious how much the Saudis, for all the money they're paying, have a say-so in things. You know, we had the, the equivalent, if not better, than WrestleMania line, and now we have the, the celebrating of the Saudi culture, re- enjoying and embracing uh, WWE entertainment with all the fireworks and, and glamour. I, you know, I think they have a considerable amount of say, uh, and maybe not necessarily... Uh, you know, around the the booking, I guess you could say Mansoor winning the battle royal, you know, might have been influenced by the fact, but it it felt very much like a a house show, you know, local guy goes over kind of moment. But yeah. in terms of the the Saudi uh, mentions in the video packages and the you know the cross cultural stuff, I I think it's very much implied that 
part of this agreement where, you know, WWE is getting a guaranteed $100 million over a 10 year period. And, and probably a lot more than that uh, by the time it's all said and done, uh, you know, they, they have to participate in, in promoting, you know, this initiative that, uh, that they are a part of that, you know, I'm trying to think of the official name of it, but, you know, it's, it's essentially the, the crown prince's idea to, you know, spread the idea that Saudi culture is moderating to the rest of the world. And I think WWE is a part of that. And that was a part of that, uh, you know, contract that they signed. And so I, I think these video packages are, are a reflection of that. And I think the Saudis do have quite a bit of say in, in what gets said and, and what the context is. Yep. And and I think WWE is is more, if if you're trying to if you're a PR firm trying to design def, trying to come up with a, a line to justify WWE doing what they're doing, they're sort of saying we just go everywhere. Like stop saying we're going to Saudi Arabia and it's controversial. We just go everywhere because this line about all countries is like we're cross-cultural, so it's also I think if you unpack that statement they're saying Saudi Arabia has its own culture. We might not agree with it, but the entertainment that we provide resonates even with people who live under oppressive regimes, who, you know, arrest and kill people who, who speak out against them, and even if they're children. Um, and, and so that's kind of their way of just going, hey, we're just here to bring smiles to kids' faces, and we cross all cultures, even ones that might seem abhorrent to you. Uh, and and I, don't, I don't know if that works, but... Uh, maybe it does. I mean, language, uh, it, it feels like a line that was vetted and carefully thought out and said precisely the same, you know, the same way by by Phillips t- t- tonight, Tom Phillips, yeah. compared to Michael Cole last night, other than maybe last night they said Saudi Arabia and tonight he said Jed. I'm not even sure. But um, but yeah, I mean, it, it definitely feels like a, a meticulously thought, a, a meticulously designed PR pushback. Yeah, of course. I mean, I, I think there's, you know, there's been enough blowback, whether you're, whether it's John Oliver's segment or whether it's, uh, you know, uh, the torch or, you know, dot net or whomever has been talking about this for, uh, you know, since the original Saudi show. And then even prior to that, during the lead up to it, I, I think it's been fairly universally recognized that, you know, Saudi Arabia has a lot of cultural issues that don't necessarily jive with uh, American values or, or even, you know, human rights. In a, in a more general sense. And so when you, you know, when you're saying that, well, you know, this culture is different, but sports entertainment resonates no matter where you are or what your culture is. I think, you know, I don't, you, I don't know if you're supposed to read into that, but what I'm, you know, what I take away from it is that, oh, well, you know, the, the culture is what it is, but the universal language is, is money. And as long as these checks keep cashing, we're going to keep going back. And, and I think that's the, that's the comeback. Well, there's many comebacks against OWB rationalizing or justifying going there is, is they're there not because there's fan demand or because WWE takes their show to all cultures and all countries. They're there because they're being paid above typical market value for a live wrestling event that did not sell out. And they're getting paid enough money to bring in top stars. And they're doing that one for, you know, fantasy wrestling shows for, for a crown uh, of people in the regime who are fans. So it's that, but it's clearly also propaganda. It's a way to let their people know, hey, if you don't like what we're doing, look at this. America doesn't have a problem with it. They, they, they bring their entertainment here. We're entertaining you. 
and WWE comes here, so that must mean we're not as bad as maybe some of our critics say. Because if we were that bad, would, would American entertainment companies really come here and celebrate being here? So WWE is being used, but they're getting paid a lot to do it. And, you know, Ali donating his pay to charity and Brian not wanting to go and Kevin Owens bowing out. Like, there's, you know, it's... It's not, uh, it's, it's not as simple as WWE, uh, understatement, but it's not as, as simple and straightforward as WWE is presenting, which is, well, we'll just go anywhere because we're cross-cultural and, f- and, and fans enjoy it. There's fans all over the world who enjoy WWE, and I bet they'd sell more tickets in a lot of places, but WWE would have to pay talent based on actual ticket sales in most of the world, but they don't have to in Saudi Arabia. They're getting paid above typical market value to bring their brand to Saudi Arabia in a way that also portrays to the people of Saudi Arabia, we're being embraced despite our tactics by the rest of the world. And, and, and that is why, like Todd Martin calls it blood money. You know, blood money one, blood money two, blood money three. Um, it is, it, it is a, a, a stance that people critical of this, and I am among them, see it as, as they're buying something besides a wrestling show to entertain their, 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 their citizens. Yeah, I, you know, I think that's it's hard to argue against at this point. I, I don't know if there's any any evidence you could present that would say, you know, the, the there's really any other cultural redeeming factor where that WWE is influencing where you could say, OK, I can you know, you could justify this because, you know, the, the Saudi fans are, uh, you know, and, and WWE is, is having an effect on modernizing the country in some way. But I, I don't think there's really any anything you could point to that shows that uh, that being valid. I mean, you look at the the crowds in, in Jeddah, and it, it was basically a gigantic arena that was sparsely populated with fans. Uh, and, and so it, it just becomes obvious that, that the the real end goal of this coming out of the show was it wasn't replay packages about how awesome the event was and how great the matches were and, yeah. and what an amazing wrestling presentation. It's you know shots of children and, and you know teens and and Saudi adults talking about how amazing it is that uh, that WWE is this worldwide phenomenon that goes to places like Saudi Arabia and it's you know and it's improving culture. And it's it's clearly, you know, a, a propaganda outlet for the administration in, in Saudi Arabia, and it's it's really quite indefensible when you come right down to it. I mean, they they beheaded thirty seven people in May. You know, it's like, come on, where are we going with this? <sighs> yeah. All right. Uh, on a lighter note, uh, John M. Uh, from Ripon, California, a VIP member, says, So this Ms. TV is WWE's obvious shot at the John Moxley podcast, right? Are they trying to act like they're not as scripted as he said by, quote, forcing Miz to read a script as if that's the exception to the rule? Or are they being self-aware and giving a wink and a nod? Um, now, it makes total storyline sense that, Miz, that Shane would make Miz read something nice about Shane that Miz would not otherwise say. So we might be projecting. But what do you think, Jake? Is, is this, are they self-aware enough to be doing a wink and a nod? Or are they actually trying to trick people into thinking the rest isn't scripted? Or is this total coincidence we're projecting? It just makes sense that, like I said, Shane would would force Miz to read something against his will. Yeah, I'm not sure if they're going for some kind of meta narrative there or not. But when you when it boils right down to it, they just prove that the Miz is always reading a script because it was like 99% of what he normally says when he introduces Miz TV. Uh, you know, it, it didn't deviate from his normal patterns at all. He just kind of read it in a, in a kind of a robotic tone. And so I, yeah, I mean, maybe they're trying to make some kind of commentary like, Oh, the Miz has, 
has creative freedom and is it's kind of a, a dog whistle to people who are paying close attention to Moxley's interviews. But I think it was more, you know, they, they wanted to demonstrate how, you know, obscene Shane is about having people follow his every little command to a T. All right. And I think we'll, uh, end on, yeah, we'll end on this note. Uh, Aaron from North Carolina, along with Marcus, says, Did you guys notice that Kevin Owens came out with no mic? He never spoke a word. He kept his arms crossed, and he kept his head down the whole time. Perhaps I'm reading too much into this, but this whole show is about trying to <laughs> read into the code of what WWE is trying to sneak on the air and messages, hidden messages sending us. Um, and there's a reason for that, by the way. It's not it's not because we're all crazy and paranoid, I don't think. Um, perhaps I'm reading too much into this, but last night Kevin said the wild card rule, whatever that means. Is it possible that Kevin had lived a little with that line and the repercussions of that were him having to keep silent tonight? I know it's a stretch, but the wild card rule was Vince's last-minute idea. And uh, uh, Jake, he did characterize it as as a genius move. And uh, Aaron closes, thanks for all you do, and everyone, go VIP. PWTorchVIPInfo.com. Jake, yeah, I mean, Vince said I'm a genius. Wild card rule, and Kevin Owens, a heel, made fun of it last night. Um, I kind of grabbed my attention when KO said it. And then tonight... It looks like he was uh, maybe on probation. What do you think? Uh, yeah, I guess, you know, just because we're paranoid doesn't mean that there's not secret messages on the show, right? Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I, I don't know if that's necessarily, you know, the, the case with Owen said he was being punished or something or, you know, and I guess maybe you're supposed to get that impression. But if he's out there and he's working main events, he's probably not being punished too severely. I, I I, I have a hard time believing that uh, you know that anything goes out over the airwaves that uh, that Vince doesn't at least approve of. You know, there, there was that argument a few weeks ago during the electric chair segment about whether or not Sami Zayn was supposed to reference AEW. I, I think it, you know this is more of just an attempt for them to be a little self-aware and to a little wink and a nod at fans. And that maybe there are some people back there who understand what people are complaining about. But I mean, I, I don't think he's out there, you know, in, in a main event segment if he, you know, if he's being legitimately punished for going off script. I guess there could be a middle ground. They're like, well, we need you to take bumps and be the third guy. And it makes sense because we want, you know, we thought we had this match planned out. But, you know, you went off script. So now you have to be you know muted for a week. I mean, I, I could see the middle ground there. Yeah, I guess it's it's possible. I mean, I don't know if they'd want him out there with a pouty face looking down at his shoes, but, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, cool. Well, uh, and there, if, if you uh, uh, want to participate in future post shows, uh, just email wadekellerpodcast at pwtorch.com. Uh, same thing goes for the Thursday flagship this week, which we'll be recording on Wednesday. PW Torch senior columnist Bruce Mitchell scheduled to join me. So if you have follow-up to either the post or post-Smackdown shows or anything else in Wrestling, NXT, AEW, ROH, Impact, and on and on. Send your questions to Wade Keller Podcast at pwtorch.com. Uh, in the meantime, check out Jake Barnett over at prowrestling.net, and he is part of their uh, weekly flagship membership show. And uh, Jake, what's your uh, Twitter one more time? At Barnett Jake. You can find me there. Uh, how many T's? Just two. Just two. Okay. <laughs> very, very good. Uh, thanks so much. Always a pleasure talking to you. Thanks for having me, Wade. You bet. And you can follow me on Twitter at the Wade Keller. You can follow our brand on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at PW Torch. 
And check out PWTorch.com and MMATorch.com for coverage of pro wrestling and MMA, including my live reports on Raw and SmackDown on Monday nights and Tuesday nights, and coverage of other TV shows, breaking news, TV ratings, flashback articles, special editorials, live pay-per-view coverage, and much more. That's PWTorch.com. All right. Thanks, everybody. If you missed it, by the way, the, the John Moxley interview that I conducted is still available. It's in two parts, a grand total of about two and a half hours. Uh, it is not an overlap of the Chris Jericho podcast. Uh, he had a lot more to say than an hour 15 minutes could contain uh, or, or could cover um, in it with Chris Jericho. And that interview with Jericho, the first one that he did, was recorded before AEW Double or Nothing. So uh, my interview with him was the first one that he did after Double or Nothing and the longest one he might ever do. <laughs> um, and so it's, it's absolutely worth a listen. Uh, covered uh, all new territory. Um, and intentionally so, as I said at the top of the interview. I didn't want to ask him about anything that Jericho talked about, but I didn't want to follow up and also talk about the uh, odd Stone Cold podcast on the WWE Network where there was no chemistry and it was uncomfortable to watch. He explained that thoroughly. And also the Brock Lesnar WrestleMania match, what went wrong with that buildup, why he was so frustrated uh, in meticulous detail. Also the, the return of the Shield and how Lesnar changed that and the circumstances of that change. And so much more. Two and a half hours of some of the most compelling wrestling talk you'll hear from a main event wrestler in WWE for the past five plus years just venting and letting letting his feelings out, as he put it, once and for all. He wanted to move on after that interview with me. But if you haven't heard it yet, you owe it to yourself. It is on the Blue Logo Show, the podcast, not the post show. So search Wade Keller in Apple Podcasts and look for the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Podcast, the Blue Logo. Subscribe to that. And uh, a few shows down on the listing, you'll find parts one and two with Dean Ambrose. Also, yesterday on the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Podcast feed, a five years ago interview with ex-WWB creative team member John Pierre Marini. Really timely interview talking about Seth's heel turn, the futures of Roman Reigns, Dean Ambrose and Seth, the singles wrestlers. Uh, a good tie-in when you listen to what John and I had to say about Dean and and where we thought he was headed compared to where he ended up and what Dean said about it um, once he left WWE. Uh, fascinating flashback interview. Definitely worth your time to check out for the first time or a second time if you heard it uh, back when it originally aired. Uh, so coming up uh, on the Thursday flagship, Bruce Mitchell. Also on Interview Friday this week, it's ex-creative team member with WWE, Matt McCarthy. Also, uh, the host of the We Watch Wrestling podcast, professional stand-up comedian, a star of many commercials. You've probably seen him and didn't know it was him uh, on on multiple commercials. He'll be joining me, and we're going to run down all the hot topics in wrestling since the last time he was on the show. AEW and NXT and Saudi Arabia. And uh, uh, we'll preview Stomping Grounds and look back at Super Showdown, all that. So uh, check it out. Send your questions for the flagship and interview Friday to Wade Keller Podcast at pwtorch.com. Thanks, everybody. If you have time, give us a five-star rating in Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts where they have a star rating system. That is a big boost for us, and we appreciate those of you who do that. And until next time, Wade Keller thanking you and thanking everybody who's part of the show and signing off.
Thank you for listening to the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Post Shows. Don't forget, we also have shows later in the week, the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Podcasts. That is a blue logo show. This show, you'll notice, has a red logo. There's a very similar logo, but it's blue. And that's for our podcast later in the week. The Thursday flagship, plus our mailbag and interview shows. We have first-run interviews and, most weekends, a classic interview from our archives. Just search Wade Keller in Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to Pro Wrestling Podcasts and choose the blue logo and subscribe. Have you subscribed to the PW Torch Daily Cast yet? It's a free daily podcast with shows throughout the week dedicated to Ring of Honor, All Elite Wrestling, Impact Wrestling, Major League Wrestling, NXT, and MMA Talk for Pro Wrestling Fans. That's Monday through Friday. And on Saturdays, check out the Deep Dive with Rich Fan, where he examines a single topic in depth. And then Sunday nights, it's Wrestling Night in America with Greg Parks. You can listen live or download the show later at PWTorchDailyCast.com. Just click on the live stream link. He takes your calls talking about wrestling's biggest events, either ones that just took place or previewing shows that are right around the corner. And on Sundays when WWE runs pay-per-views, he's live right after the pay-per-view at PWTorchDailyCast.com, reviewing the show and taking your calls. That's the PW Torch Daily Cast lineup. Just search PW Torch in Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your wrestling podcasts or visit our homepage to download or stream the shows or find out more information, PWTorchDailyCast.com. 